0: What's up and welcome back to Bar Down Talking Hockey episode number sixty, presented by the Bar Network. My name is Vinny Parisi, and I am a certified G and a bona fide stud, and you can't teach that. And this right here, this is Frankie Mueller, and he's seven foot tall, and you can't teach that. What up, Frank? How you doing?
1: Good, how are you? I'm like doing good.
0: I stole it from obviously. Well, it starts with the WWE crew. Was it, uh, what were they called?
1: Enzo and uh, Enzo and uh,
0: or Big Cass. Cass. Yeah. And then one of my old favorite podcasts, Section 10, used it for a long time and it just popped in my head just now. So I used it. So, you know, we'll see. It's sweet. I like it. It's kind of a, it's kind of like a classic. Like everybody, and I am a certified G. Like everybody who has at any point watched wrestling or even really kind of listened to a podcast. I've heard other people use it for like National Podcast Day, like throw a tribute to their favorite podcast. It's not National Podcast Day, but shout out Section 10. Shout out, what What was their tag team called?
1: I don't remember.
0: Ooh, test of Frankie's memory failing me. I don't failing remember. Me. Dylan or Joey would know for sure, wouldn't they?
1: Yeah, I think Joey would draw a blank, though.
0: Yeah. So last night, Frankie and I went on a double date, and we went to a golf place called Putt Shack. And Putt Shack is in what town? Oak Brook. Oak Brook, for those of you who live in the Chicagoland area. Guys, if you like mini golf, if you like bright colors, if you like drinks and food and good times, you'll go check out this putt check place. I mean, it was so cool. I mean, what was your overall review of the place?
1: I thought it was incredible. It was one of the more fun times I've had playing mini golf. You know, the thing I liked about most about it is I didn't have to keep track of the strokes mentally, like what was going on, where you have to pass the little sheet down while you take your shot. And everybody's got to keep track, and they're like, Oh, four on the sheet, and keep tally. I like that better, that it just does it automatically for you. It's not really, I mean, the better strokes you do, the, the lower the strokes you take, obviously the more points you're gonna get. Um, but it's all point-based. Uh, it there's a lot of fun. I like the idea of the super tube and the hazard, and you know, there's there are like little mini games involved, like true or false questions and uh, a, a prize wheel. So I really like the overall concept of everything.
0: Yeah. And, you know, this video kind of, I think it's That's animated. like the
1: exact thing.
0: Yeah. It, it looks animated though, doesn't it? But that's exactly yeah. what the place looks like when you walk in. It almost looks like a casino. I was standing right it. there next to the yeah. Thing. I mean, it was really cool. I enjoyed all the different courses. We only played one of the four courses. We'll probably knock out all three next time because we'll know what to expect this time around. But uh, I-, I loved every second of it. And, hey, you get a- you get good at it after a while. You figure it out, start feeling good about your shots, and I enjoyed it.
1: And it's like no one's ever really out with the whole point system. I was at yeah. first full time, and I ended up coming in last just because hole seven – I never thought Beyonce would screw me over. Or no, not Beyonce. Was it Beyonce? No, Kim Kardashian.
0: Kim Kardashian. I Kim Kardashian. I had the Beyonce question. I knew she wasn't married to Drake, so I kind of nailed that one.
1: I had like the hardest question of all. Like I I would have never known what happened in 1992 with Kim Kardashian. And you're getting like, oh, who's Kim Car- or Beyonce married to? And yeah. she had an easy sports question, and I forgot what Katie's was, but ultimately that whole seven screwed me in but it was just the overall good time
0: Jeez, was true or false mike Ditka and will ferrell starred in a comedy together about soccer
1: yeah and what was katie's
0: it was ah what was katie's i don't remember she's bragging in the chat right now about coming in first place by seven points um what was her question i don't even remember
1: I think it was easy, though. I think I had the hardest question by far. Did you know the answer to my question?
0: No, I absolutely didn't. I would have either taken a guess or aimed for the green thing.
1: And I aimed for the green thing. I came back and then just went, it was uh, just the whole tobacco.
0: Yeah. I mean, it was really fun. I noticed while watching this little playthrough here that there's one that had like four holes dedicated to sports. Like it looked like there was a football themed one and a hockey themed one. I kind of want to play that course next. It's the one with the Connect Four
1: yeah
0: yeah so shout out putt check no free ads if you want to sponsor us go for it but
1: we're only married 72 days i it, it said on the screen like they're married 92 days so not 1992 but 92 like how am i supposed to know like i don't know if it's 92 or 72
0: learn your kim kardashian children. yeah
1: you you knew jack shit about that too so uh,
0: don't tell me what i know you I, I'm all it. up to date on my Kim Kardashian and Chris Humphrey a
1: few minutes ago.
0: <laughs> and there's shit I don't know anything about them. Do you I think yeah, Kardashian,
1: Chris Humphrey's is
0: me so. either? Oh hell no. Do you do you think the Kardashians are the most famous family in the United States of America?
1: I would say maybe, unless there's somebody I'm thinking of that you're gonna say.
0: Well. The Trumps are the Bidens. I mean, everybody knows the president of the United well, States, whether you like them or not.
1: But that's the that's the president. But you're talking about like celebrities, like not politics, because politics is like something everybody follows. It's kind of forced like, on if, you. Like, yeah, like you know celebrities. Know who the Bidens are, follow. yeah. But like the Kardashians, you know the name. Like even if you don't like follow them, you know the Kardashian name, and they got their own TV show and all that. So I'd say they're probably the biggest family.
0: Yeah,
1: celebrity family at least.
0: 100%. Who's the most famous family in hockey? I think there's three like front runners.
1: Well, Gretzky has to be. No. Why? I you, everybody knows Gretzky. If you, it's, you talk, all,
0: it's all around Wayne.
1: Yeah, but that's still counts. No, things. that's
0: not what I mean. That's not what I mean. I'm not asking who's the most popular individual. In order to be the most famous family, there has to be multiple family okay. members that the Hall brothers
1: Brett Hall and Bobby Hall.
0: Yeah, I think they're up there. I think there are three well ahead of them, at least in the year 2022. Kachuk. Kachuks. Yep.
1: The Hall's gotta be up there.
0: I it I ha- would I would put the Sutters as number one. I mean, five of those guys played in the NHL. One of them is the coach. oh how? Yeah. The hows are up there. I think the Hughes are making a run for it. That's that's my third. The Hughes are making a run for they, it. The, the Hughes are the.
1: Well, did they have fathers that played?
0: Or? Uh, Ellen played. Their mom played like women's hockey, I think, or she was an Olympian and something. Um, and then she pumped out three top ten draft picks. Two of them yeah. are already superstars, and one of them is still a prospect. what we'll oh, would see. you
1: say they're the most well known? Like a lot of people are not. like No, fans, no,
0: you know? I think I think they're on the come up.
1: I I think they're top hard. three right now.
0: I think it's the Sutters are the first family of hockey.
1: Maybe I don't know like, how many there or the Hall. I still think Hall.
0: Yeah. N- now, or I guess shot. maybe maybe we're looking at it differently. I uh, for me, like the family, or gotta Esposito. Like, it's got to be like three or more for me to like think of a family.
1: That's tough, though.
0: Like the Kardashians are a family. It's Chloe, Kim, okay, whatever well, got the small, name. All brothers the stalls yep We're that's a that's that's more We're where three. i'm going towards yeah a
1: three is hard it's hard to get to three
0: that's what i'm saying it is hard there's only like five or six like true families that impacted the league like that yeah look at the six sutter brothers brent bryan daryl dwayne rich ron reached the nhl in the late 70s and early 80s of course we know brent being in Chicago, and then, of course, Daryl was with the Hawks, and he's the current coach in the National Hockey League, won two Cups with the Kings, with the Calgary Flames currently. They just made it to the second round. We'll talk about them in a bit. I don't know, man, the Sutters. <laughs>
1: I mean, yeah, they're definitely up there for sure.
0: Yeah, I, mean, I see what you mean. Though. If if you're including brothers, I mean, Wayne's brother played. He had four career points. Uh, well,
1: I think if you go, like, based off their name alone, it's got to be Gretzky because, like, everybody knows Gretzky.
0: Yeah, and his daughter Paulina is married to uh, – What's the cocaine golfer? Dr- golfer, the guy who was addicted to coke. Oh, I can't think of his name. Paulina Gretzky's hus- husband or former husband. I I used to know all this stuff. Now I just watch hockey. But I didn't know
1: that he was addicted to coke. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, maybe he wasn't. Maybe I'm got my stories mixed up. But you know, I for me the Sutters, what they've done, I want the Hughes to get like to that level. It'll take a while for
1: sure. Like yeah. you just can't say it right now.
0: 13-0. No, no, but the fact that one is a top 10 Norris guy and one is a top 10 point per game guy in their second and third years, or I think it's both of their second years, or it's both of their third years. And then Luke is well on his way. They got to be at least in people's, the back of their mind. But, I got to
1: be honest, I've never heard of Marty Howe either.
0: What is he, like a third brother?
1: Well, chat a, a yeah, it says Gordie Howe, Mark Howe, Marty Howe. I've never heard of Marty Howe. He was a defenseman. Oh.
0: Interesting. Well, see. yeah, I don't – Marty Howe? I know Gordie and Mark. I, yeah, know, I know Andre Gordie Richard and Maurice Richard. That's actually a good poll there by Aldo.
1: But I, I have no idea who Marty Howe is.
0: No, me either. I would have to look that up. Obviously, the Espositos, that's a good call. But like I said, when I think of a family, I think of like more than two, like yeah, famous brother pairs. Then we start bringing in the sardines, and you know, a stall to me is the family, yeah. um, uh, Suban and his brother Malcolm. Unfortunately, Jordan never really made it in the NHL, so I would just consider Malcolm and PK. Mm-hmm. But there are a lot of big families in the NHL, oh, yeah. and yeah, the Parise's. Father and son, JP and Zach. Obviously, JP was a really good player for the Minnesota North Stars and the New York Islanders back in the day. And then, of course, Zach's career is still going with uh, the New York Islanders, previously with the New Jersey Devils and Minnesota Wilds. So uh, Jordan and never played in the NHL, but I believe he was drafted. He's a goalie, but then he played his career in Europe.
1: And obviously, like when some of these guys start having kids and they grow up, and like we're talking 20 years from now, 18, 15 years from now, depending on how old they are. These families might grow. I don't know if the Sedins have any children who want to play hockey, but maybe one day they'll be in the NHL and we'll be talking about the Sidine family or the yeah. family or, I mean, any of these brothers that are in the NHL right now.
0: Exactly. I mean, who there, there are people not much older than us that probably remember seeing Keith Kachuk play. Mm-hmm. Keith Kachuk, I'm pretty sure Keith Kachuk was on the Blues when the Hawks won the cup in 2010. I'm not positive on that. But like you remember the Hawks winning the Cup in 2010. You probably yeah. weren't as well-versed. I certainly wasn't either yet. But you probably weren't as well-versed with their opponents and who they were playing against. But right. there was a point where you were watching hockey when Keith Kachuk was in the league. And now yeah. he's got two asshole sons playing on two Cal- or two Canadian teams. Yeah, And they're probably two of the best pesty power forwards in the NHL these days. Mm-hmm. I mean, Brady and Matthew are awesome. So we'll, we'll actually talk about Matthew and his brother Brady's in the news a little bit here too. So we will send you on over to talk about this stuff in period number one. Welcome period one where Frankie and I are finally going to stop blabbing about the Kardashians and mini golf and talk about hockey. What do you say? It sounds like a blast. Uh, Talking about the Kardashians and mini golf is also a blast. So I don't take back any of my shenanigans, but we got some business to take care of. The first round, Frank, was absolutely insane when we last left you. The Minnesota Wild were done. They lost. They had already lost to the St. Louis Blues or what did they lose that night? Like it was it was a while ago. Obviously, the Nashville Predators were swept out of town by the Colorado Avalanche, and then I'm missing one series that didn't go 7. One series Panthers. that didn't go 7. The Florida Panthers beating the Washington Capitals. Those were the three series that didn't reach game seven, we had one of the most banana lands. First rounds It was a little dry after the first two games. Every game was a blowout, even though it was each team blowing each other out. Most series started one and one five of the eight series went to game seven. And that's the most in a game seven since or most series to go to a game seven since six of them did. I want to say it was 96 is what I heard on the broadcast. So over 20 years, since there were that many game sevens in one round, Frank, it's chaos in these streets without going into detail on any of the rounds specifically. What did you think of that? There being that many game sevens, did you appreciate it? Or did it kind of take the game seven feel away from you? Because for me, it felt, it felt the same as typical normal game sevens because each one had their own individual meaning.
1: Yeah. It, it added to it for sure. Just because every game was a blowout leading up to it i shouldn't say every game but most of the games were blowout um leading up to it and then these game sevens they were all close um we talked about the carolina series being decided by one goal in game seven two of the game sevens went to overtime um the lightning what was the score of the lightning game is that was three was two, one? Two, two one different. that was another one goal game so it's like you had all these blowouts. Then you go to a game seven, which I love game sevens. It's one of the best feelings in hockey. Unless you're rooting for that team, then it's like, I can't sit down. It's like the Hawks are in a game seven. There's no way I'm sitting down. I will stand for three overtimes if I have to. Um, I will go take a walk, do what I got to do. But it was a nice change of pace. Watching these game sevens are a lot of exciting. I'm glad none of them are really blowouts because um, I don't want to see a blowout in a game seven. I want to see exactly what we're witnessing right now in the, these highlights. I want intensity, and that's what we got through every Game 7.
0: Absolutely. Of course, we're going to lead off with the most contentious series of this show. Um, I'm the one who was wrong. The Toronto Maple Leafs were defeated in seven games by the Tampa Bay Lightning. And before you bury into me, I'm just going to talk a little bit here. I, from the bottom of my heart, thought that this was the year that the Toronto Maple Leafs got it done. I mean Marner and Matthews since playing together since starting to play together are 0 and 9 in first round clinching games. They had a chance to eliminate the Bruins twice, they had a chance to eliminate the Lightning 0 and 9 in games where they can advance to the second round. They've had 9 opportunities and they've blown every single one of them. And I I don't know where I'm going to go forward with this Leafs fandom and like my thoughts on them next year and stuff like that because chances are they're going to be just as good, if not better, next year. I mean, I think they are one of the five best teams in the NHL. I They probably would have blown out Boston. They probably would have killed Carolina. They would have dummied Pittsburgh or New York. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, they, they gave them a tough draw. They took them game seven, and they lost by one goal. The Toronto Maple Leafs and Tampa Bay Lightning have played each other eleven times this season. Four times in the regular season, eleven in or seven in the postseason, and they went in order: Leafs, Lightning, Leafs, Lightning, Leafs, Lightning, Leafs, Lightning, Leafs, Lightning, Lightning. The first team to win over the other twice in a row won their series and advanced to the second round. It is just unbelievable how close these two teams were. And the Toronto Maple Leafs are just cursed. They played the best series they've played in. I don't know how long, probably since winning the cup in 1967, or maybe there was a series in 2004 where they played amazing. The last year they won a series Matthews, marner they were dog shit in the playoffs in 2021 they came out this year and were on fire they you got everything you needed to see out of matthews and marner nylander was outstanding tavares kind of had a rough first five games or first four games and then in games five six and seven he was a maniac he was outstanding riley was unbelievable on the back end muzzin their goalie Campbell was outstanding, and they just couldn't get that tying goal in game seven right before overtime. I'll give credit to the Tampa Bay Lightning. They beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. They are probably still, they're the champs until they lose. To me, that's just how I see it. Um, Andre Vasilevsky had not so since winning the cup in 2010, 2020. So the cup clinching game in 2020 and then all four rounds last year, they got a shutout in their clinching game of every series. So that's five straight. The Leafs at least scored a goal on Vasilevsky in a clinching game, which is just something that hasn't happened in almost two years. And it was the conference final of the bubble for Tampa Bay against the New York Islanders. That's the last time they gave up a goal in a clinching game before beating the Leafs last week. That team's so good. Um, the Leafs had everyone pretty much healthy, ready to go. And Tampa Bay lost Braden Point. And Braden Point is as good of a player as there is in the NHL. His motor's always running. He's always giving it full effort. He's he's like a little like a little uh spider monkey out there. He's just unbelievably skilled and he puts all that together with that motor of his. And he just makes such an impact. Stamkos was outstanding. Kucherov kind of had a bad series. But he's still Nikita Kucherov. He's incredibly yeah. skilled. I thought Victor Hedman was outstanding. Andre Vasilevsky is what he is. I just gave you the stats. Mm-hmm. Um, There was one other player. Oh, what made Tampa Bay so good the last two years? Like 2020 and 2021? They put together a third line. That was dominant because that was what killed them when they lost remember when they got swept by columbus three years mm-hmm. ago and everyone was like oh the lightning the lightning they added they created a third line through trades and they had yanni gord with blake coleman and um barclay Goudreau. well gord got selected by seattle Goudreau signed with the new york rangers and coleman si- or was traded to the new york rangers and Coleman signed in free agency with the Calgary Flames. What did they do? They go out, and they they move up Ross Colton, who scored the Stanley Cup game-winning goal last year. They move him up from the fourth line to the third line, and they trade for Nick Paul from the Ottawa Senators and Brandon Hagel from the Chicago Blackhawks. And the Chicago Blackhawks got a nice return for Hagel, but Tampa Bay rebuilt their third line at one trade deadline, getting Paul from Ottawa and Hagel from Chicago. And that third line pretty much replicated what the Coleman-Goudreau-Gord line did in the bubble and, of course, last season. And they were just unbelievable. Paul, two goals in the Game 7 against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Two goals from Nick Paul. You can have all the skill in the world. You need Nick Pauls and you need, you know, these fourth-line guys. Patrick Maroon, I mean – he might win his fourth straight cup if Tampa three peaks. He won with the blues in 2019. Sometimes it's just more than the skill. It's more than making nice goals. Um, the Tampa Bay lightning are the best team. They were the better team slightly. And the Toronto Maple Leafs they're cursed. There's not, there's no other way around it. They didn't play bad. They actually played really good and they still lost by one. It's just Unbelievable. That's my soliloquy on the Toronto Maple Leafs and the Tampa Bay Lightning. We'll see what happens. but
1: Yeah, you know, going into the series, I said, you know, they're, I will not back the Toronto Maple Leafs until they prove me wrong because they just cannot win a first-round matchup no matter how good this team is. I told you last night, if they go 82-0, and I still wouldn't pick them to win the first-round matchup. I mean, you get 60 goals from Austin Matthews in the regular season, and everybody's like, this could be the year. This is the year that the Leafs are going to, you know, win around and go far. But no, they don't. And let me read you some of the stats that their top guys had. Austin Matthews, four goals, five assists, nine points. Can't ask for anything more from Austin Matthews, Um, especially what we've seen over the past couple of years from him. That is a huge boost, and you would think that would plow them through the Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, no. But what about Nylander? Three goals, four assists for seven points. Once again, point per game. You're getting that from William William Nylander. Got to assume that they get past the Tampa Bay Lightning. No. What about uh, Riley? Three goals, three assists, six points. From a defenseman, I'll take that any day, almost point per game. In a playoff game where points are at a premium. huh? What, what, what about Mitch Marner? Two goals, six assists for eight points. All combined, four of their top players, 30 points, and they still are not able to get it done. This just shows you that the Leafs are a regular season team and they just they can't get past the first round. I don't care how good they are; they're gonna have to prove it to me. And even if they prove it to me, I, I don't even know now. I, I mean, we've given them so many chances. Zero and nine in game-clinching games. And there's just nothing. There's just nothing here for the Leafs to show. I mean, I, I agree. They're just like it's just a curse. Like if you draw the Leafs in the first round, just assume that you're automatically going on to round two or even winning the cup. I mean, this is just an embarrassment. You can't have Austin Matthews perform out of his mind. Go score four goals and five assists and have nine points in a seven game series, which was your biggest flaw last year on probably why they didn't win the series, but no, you switch things around and all your players perform to a T and you still cannot win. It just proves that, you know, I, I, th- I always talk about playoff experience. The Tampa Bay lightning have a ton of playoff experience. They know how to win big games. The Toronto Maple Leafs don't know how to win big, win, b- win big games, because they haven't 0 and 9 in clinching games. The Toronto Maple Leafs. It's just to me, it's embarrassing. If I was a fan of the franchise, I would be. I would have it up to hear it with them because I. This just can't happen. There's something going on. They need goaltending. Maybe get a new coach. Do something. But something's got to change because they shouldn't be losing in round ones every single year. Just something's wrong.
0: It's hard for me to call them a regular season team because they played so well against the Lightning, who are so good. And Vasilevsky's – I said it to you yesterday off camera. I think Vasilevsky's going to get himself into the conversation with Broder, Wah, Hasek as, like, the greatest goalie ever. Like, I mean that. He is unbelievable. He's going to – he could have three cups in a row. He's already got two. You know, he's got a Vesna trophy. He's walking into the Hall of Fame, and he's, what, in year five? If that. So – the Leafs played so good and lost. I would have liked to see the big boys step up in game seven. Obviously, they didn't in terms of goal scoring. You know, we're going to get to the other series in a little bit, but Panarin, Goudreau, you know, Kachuk, Tara Vinen, Mick David. These guys went off in, you know, game seven. Austin awesome. Matthews didn't score. Mitch Marner didn't score. So are they not a regular season team, or are they not a big game in the playoffs team? I think it's big game in the playoffs team because they had every opportunity to win this series, and they just squandered it. Mm-hmm. And uh, they're going to bring back Dubas and Keith. There's no way they don't. They're going to give... 1 year from now if we're having the same conversation then I think Dubas and Keith are gone. But as of right now there's no way. There's just no way they fire. That GM put a team on the ice that is elite. They are top 5. And I do stand by my um by my initial statement. I think they would have beat Boston. I think they would have beat Carolina. But we talk about it all the time. This franchise is cursed. They got the Lightning. And a big game seven. You got to take care of the Lightning in six right now. That's what it seems like. You can't put them. You have to have their backs against the wall when yours isn't in order to beat these Lightning because Andre Vasilevsky just doesn't lose those clinching games. Just doesn't. At least lately. He probably, like, are they going to three-peat? I don't know. Maybe. I am I don't think any of the teams left are off the table now. In the first round, I kind of thought the New York Rangers had no chance. Now I think they do. I thought the Dallas Stars had no chance. I thought the Nashville Predators had no chance. Outside of those, and the Rangers proved me wrong. Now I think they have a chance. But when it gets to the second round, now I think every team has a chance. But the Tampa Bay Lightning, kind of Hall of Famer at every position. We've said it on this show a thousand times, my man. It's just, it's unbelievable. I'm sad. I'm going to root for the Leafs next year. I'm going to put on my Maple Leafs pom-poms in the playoffs again next year. Maybe eventually I'll be right. Maybe not. But the only thing I'll say, I don't think they're getting rid of Dubas or Keith. I think they make a big move. I don't know what the big move is. Huh?
1: They need goaltending.
0: They do, but Campbell wasn't the problem.
1: I, know, I still would upgrade. Would it's not- for maybe a couple games, but I mean, some of those games, come on.
0: Sure, but Vasilevsky got lit up in one of the games.
1: True, but consistency.
0: Yeah, I mean. I mean,
1: Campbell doesn't have a playoff experience.
0: If they had Corey Crawford in his prime, would he have given up less than two goals on Saturday night? What are you saying if he played for Toronto? Yeah, if 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 any like I'm just seven,
1: but. Any, I would take any goal. I would take Jonathan Quick on the Leafs just because he has that playoff experience, and I think they would have had a better okay, chance.
0: That's a good point. But Campbell gave up two goals.
1: In game seven. Up,
0: yeah, yeah. I'm talking about other game games, though. Well, what about game six? He gave up three in regulation, and one of them was a five on three. I, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is for the Leafs, Frank. It could be a goalie. If they had Vasilevsky, they would have beaten the Lightning. There's no doubt about that to me. Maybe they are so cursed that even Vasilevsky can't save them. But to me, I would try to build their third line not good enough. I need – build a third line around bunting. Get bunting off of Matthews and Marner's line – he can drive offense well enough to be on a third line. Be, make him the best player on a third line. Make him your Yanni Gord or make him your um, Nick Paul. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And then get go get somebody like Patrick Maroon. It probably won't be literally Patrick Maroon, but like a big-time third-line guy like that. See if Seattle's See what Seattle's dishing out this summer. They're probably going to be dishing out a lot of those good third-line guys this summer. You know, as they rebuild their, or I guess you could say, continue building their team. It's hard to rebuild an a expansion team. You get what I mean, though. Seattle, maybe they'll trade Yanni Gord back. There, there are plenty of ways to rebuild that, or not back, to the uh, Leafs. There are lots of ways to do it. They were talking about something, and I'll, I'll get your thing on this, and then we'll move on to the rest of the series. It's apparently so nice to be a Toronto Maple Leaf, even if you are you stink. Like, they treat you well. The fans are obsessed with you no matter what. It's a good place to play, and you're comfortable there. And, yeah, the media is pretty scrutinizing to the stars, but if you're someone like Wayne Simmons or Jason Spezza, those guys would rather retire now. It's, this is straight from Spezza's mouth. They'd rather retire now than go play somewhere else. I think that's kind of a problem for the Leafs. Guys aren't going there to win. Guys are going there because it's awesome to play for the Leafs. They need to get people in there that want to win. They need to match Austin Matthews' intensity. They need to match Mitch Marner's intensity. Trade Nylander for three third-line players. I'm being dead serious right now.
1: Well, I'm just – I mean, if I was a fan, I don't care how nice it is to go play for the team if you're Toronto Maple Leafs but if i'm a fan i'm irritated so i don't i don't care who you are if you're wayne simmons spetsa matthews uh bunting i don't care who you are so i don't know like i guess what you're saying if that's true and then it's just fun to go play there but i would be pissed at everybody just the whole team in general like guys you got to step up um but if it's yeah if it's really that mentality and that mindset going in there that's a bad mindset to have like oh i are just going to i'm going to be loved no matter what I could shit the bed, and I'm still going to be loved. No, I don't want that mindset on my team. If I was running an organization, you know, it's not going to be like that.
0: That's the problem. And the Maple Leafs don't have one owner. I believe Rogers owns the Maple Leafs. And that's just always an issue. The Green Bay Packers deal with it, too. They don't have one owner who could get so angry at them losing that they can just go down there and scream at everyone and fire everyone and seize control. That that's not how it works with the Maple Leafs. You know, if Rock Wirtz is so pissed off about how much of an asshole Jonathan Taves has become, he can run right downstairs and say, Hey Davidson, you want to keep your job trade, Taves yesterday. That's just an example. I'm not calling Taves an asshole. It was just a random name to tag to Rock Wirts. Mm-hmm. But that's not how what it is with the Leafs. So this is the biggest offseason in franchise history for them. The Lightning move on. We'll talk about what happened with them yesterday in a, about a period. But moving on, friend of the program, Joey Parisi. Your Boston Bruins have been eliminated seven games by the Carolina Hurricanes. The home team won every game. And not only did the home team win every game, the home team kind of dominated every game. I know Carolina only won game seven, three to two. But – uh, Pasternak scored with, like, 20 seconds left in that game to make it 3-2. The Hurricanes kind of dominated the game. Like, they they took game seven and ran with it. Uh, former Blackhawk dumbest trade, one of the dumbest trades in team history, Tavo Teravainen, just had an absolute amazing game for Carolina. I Don't picked the Bruins. You picked
1: – Huh? Don't forget about Ranta ex-Blackhawk, either.
0: Yeah, yeah. Ranta. He's a former Blackhawk, and he's great. I don't fault Stan Bowman for letting him get away too badly because they did have Corey Crawford and Scott Darling, who they believed in. Scott Darling turned out to be a mistake, but Corey Crawford, I would vote for him to make it to the Hall of Fame personally. When I look at his numbers, I see everything I need, but he's a fringe guy. But either way, the Carolina Hurricanes, they got a lot of awesome pieces. I mean... We mentioned Taravainen and Ranta, and is the second guy. Freddie Anderson's really their starter. He had a Vesna caliber year, and he's hurt and hasn't played in a long time. Now it'd be hard for me to even throw Anderson in if he came back healthy. I'd kind of roll Ranta until something bad happens, but they have Sebastian Ajo. Svechnikov is one of the best power forwards in the NHL now. Yeah. And um, Tony D'Angelo, as much as I hate his racist-ass guts, he's really good player, and he's probably their con Smythe Trophy leader as of right now. Um, it's either him, Tara Vinet or Slavin.
1: Even Max Domi, too. He's been... He's a pest.
0: He's a pest. I agree. Vinny Trocek, another pest. That Marty Mush-looking mother... Yeah. Mm, Domi had the win. game-winning
1: goal. He scored the third goal. So. Yep.
0: They're just a well-built team. Nino Niederreiter, unsung hero, really good defensive numbers. Doesn't score as much as he did with the Wild, but he's still a 20-goal guy and playing good defense and pissing off Brad Marchand, and who apparently, don't tell Joey this, he probably doesn't even know this yet if you're watching, Joe, sorry. I'm pretty sure Brad Marchand's going to have some hip surgery this summer and miss the beginning of next year. We hope that that ends up not being the case, but that's the rumor that the Bruins are going to announce here in the coming weeks. Um, Patrice Bergeron's an unrestricted free agent. I believe he will either retire or go back to the Bruins. I don't see him playing anywhere else. That's from his mouth. Obviously, if the New York Islanders offered him $12 million to come play there for a year, he would, but that's just not going to happen. So the Bruins are in an interesting spot. I know you think very highly of the Hurricanes, as do I. I thought the winner of this series could absolutely win the Eastern Conference. I also could see the winner of this series – losing to the New York Rangers or losing to one of the Florida teams. I literally could see any possible scenario. Anybody who thinks their bracket is just perfect going forward to me is crazy, but the hurricanes, no reason not to have a lot of faith in them right now. Your thoughts on the series.
1: It was just a tough draw for the Bruins overall. Um, I just, the hurricanes kind of own the Bruins um, during the regular season. They just had something against them. And then, when the playoffs started and Linus Allmark got the nod for game one, I was very surprised. He was hot going in, which is probably the reason why Allmark started. But his numbers against Carolina were so bad, like over four goals against in his career. And I'm like, well, that, to me, that's not a good I, with, You see teams when they own a team, they own a team. Marc-Andre Fleury, when he owns Montreal, every time he plays Montreal, he has a good game. So if you have that bad of numbers going in against a team where you already have a bad draw, I don't like Allmark playing game one. Gets lit up in game one, and then you play him in game two, which that to me is even more shocking because now you put yourself in a hole going down 2-0 after you lose it. You start Swayman. He wins the next two games. Now, this was the definition of a home ice advantage. Every home team won, which very rarely happens. We've seen it, but it's like, home ice advantage is nice to have, but it doesn't always turn out to live up to the name like it did in this series. I just, if Swayman would have started games one or two, the series might've been different. I still think the hurricanes probably would have won the series. Um, but I was just shocked that they didn't go with Swayman, especially after game one, he gets lit up. You know, he has bad numbers. You play him in game one, you get lit up. And then I don't know what their mindset is playing him in game two. To me, you, you make the switch right there. Um, Joey agreed with the decision. I talked to Joey about it, um, but me personally, if I was Bruce, I, I'm playing Swayman to start the series. And if not, if Swayman doesn't, you know, pan out well, then you could go to Allmark. But at least you go with the better option first, in my opinion.
0: Bruce Cassidy's a complete moron for starting Lena's Allmark. I'll tell it right to Joey's face. I don't care. I agree. He was out-coached by Rob Brindemore pretty much in the entire series. You've talked about home teams winning? We've seen home teams win every game. Mm-hmm. I believe there was that year where San Jose played Vegas and the home team won every game. It happens I think Colorado all the time.
1: St. Louis might have too? Which one? Colorado and St. Louis, I forgot which year it might yeah, have
0: Yeah, yes. Correct. Correct. It's hard to win in uh Colorado, Colorado. for teams yeah. because of the uh Altitude and all that, but I, I just don't Swayman is like a top five Calder guy this year, a top ten Calder guy. Like he might get he might be on some people's Vesna ballots. He was awesome, and he's like the kid, he's got sometimes no experience in the playoffs. If you're a goalie, just go out there and save the puck. I, uh, I don't shoot. know. I, I just hated it. And I said, Yeah, we've seen it before where every home team wins we haven't seen it where every home team dominated like that before. Mm-hmm. Like game seven was one goal. Carolina was the way better team in the game. The Bruins got lucky to even be within one and it was a poster or not goal with 20 seconds left. And when Us-
1: He wasn't even excited. Yeah. He like, Cause he knew yeah. him, he was screwed.
0: Yeah. I mean, weirder things have happened to win like a face off at center ice, go down and score to tie it. It would have stunned everyone, but it's certainly not like impossible, but still like, Every home team, and to me, that that tells me that coaching was the biggest factor in this series. Cassidy outcoached Brindamore at TD Garden, but he got really outcoached in the first two games in Carolina, and I think that set the tone for the series. Even though the Bruins came back, even when it was 2-2, it felt like they were behind just for some reason, and... Bruce Cassidy is a great coach. The Bruins won't fire him or anything like that. He'll, they'll be right back there next year, especially if Bergeron and Marshan are healthy. But I just – I cannot believe they went with Allmark. You you can't rely that much on matchups okay. in the playoffs. Um, The Bruins are the best matchup team in the NHL maybe. When they're at TD Garden, they're almost impossible to beat because they just throw Bergeron out there against your best players – And there's a reason this dude is, like, on his eighth straight Selkie Trophy nominee. I mean, who's beating Bergeron at home offensively? McDavid? Maybe Matthews, if it's not a Game 7? Crosby? That's about it. I even think, like, the higher but not S-tier offensive players get shut down by Bergeron. Jack Hughes. Patrick Kane, Mm -hmm. um, Kopitar. These guys mostly get shut down by Bergeron at home. But when you don't get to choose who he's playing against on the road and you can't muster up goals in your bottom six, talk about a team that needs bottom six help. I like Hala and I like Craig Smith and Charlie Coyle. Nice guys. Good players. They need a dog in the bottom six, like a dog. I don't know if he's a prospect in their organization right now or somebody they make a trade for. They missed Krejci. There's no doubt that they missed Krejci in the playoffs. There's no surprise to me. The Bruins hardly ever lose in the first round. They're like the opposite of the Leafs. They don't always win the cup necessarily. They haven't won it since 2011, but they get to the cup. They get to the conference finals, maybe lose to the lightning here and there in the second round. David Krejci was there for all of that, and not having him this year was uh, outstanding. So it sucks for the Bruins. I don't know if you have anything left on that series, but tough.
1: Just tough to throw the first two games away by playing all-mark. I mean, because then those next two at home are must-win. So I just I – poorly coached series um, from the Bruins, I think. I got to agree with you. But I mean ultimately the Bruins have nothing to be ashamed of. They brought it to game seven. It's just hard to win on the any it's hard to win on the road, you know, especially in the playoffs. That's why home ice is a thing.
0: No doubt. We talked about Matthews not really scoring in game seven. You know who might have put on the best game seven performance individually I've ever seen is number ninety seven up in Edmonton. The first shift of the game, and of course, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, the Edmonton Oilers defeated the Los Angeles Kings 2 to nothing in Game 7. It was in Edmonton. The place was rocking. First shift of the game, Connor McDavid goes out there and just makes one of the biggest hits of the entire series. Normally, when you see McDavid change a game like that, he scores a sick goal by blowing through everybody in the neutral zone. Or he makes a sick defensive play because he's significantly faster than every other player he plays against. Or he makes a sick pass to dry sidle on the power play through three defenders. No, he went out there and he laid a big hit and the place was rocking from there oh, yeah. on. I thought talking about coaching performances, I- I'm drawing a blank on Edmonton's new coach. They fired their old guy and hired. I could picture him too. Um, He double shifted McDavid in the first couple shifts of the game just to get the pace of the game going, get him going, get the crowd going, and that set the tone for the entire game. McDavid was outstanding. The Edmonton Oilers advance. I will give a little bit of a shout out to the Los Angeles Kings. I think they were the most resilient team in the National Hockey League this season. We went into this season thinking they might be a bubble team. Neither Joey or I predicted them to make the playoffs in our preseason, but... We both said that they could be the ninth team. And if they prove us wrong, like a bubble team, a bubble wild card team, and they were, you know, we, we knew they'd be better than last year, but we knew they weren't coming in no last place. And they took it to game seven in this series without Victor Arvidsson. No doubt. That makes a huge difference. If those guys play, maybe they win in six or seven, you know, Edmonton's not a flawless team. They have the two best players on our holy planet earth while well, two of the three best players and they got it done. Yeah. The Kings, they'll be back. I believe they'll be back. Dustin Brown's retiring. Kopitar and Dowdy aren't the same players that they once were, but they're still very formidable players. The problem with them is making a lot of money against the cap for the B tier production that they bring these days. Mm-hmm. But they have a top five farm system, maybe top one. I mean, their farm system is unbelievable guys like Alex Turcott and Quinton Byfield and Kiev. Um, I'm not sure who the goalie of the future is going to be. Jonathan Quick was the guy in this series. He had gone into this game 4-0 and in career game sevens, and no NHL goalie had ever won their first five game sevens in a career. Quick's not joining that list because he lost, but it just goes to show how outstanding this guy has been. And I think the Kings – this season was a success for the Kings. Nobody thought they were winning the cup. They had 99 points in the regular season after going in with mixed expectations. As I told you what me and Joey's were, I don't know where you were at on the Kings going into the season, but they took the team with Mick Jesus and dry to game seven and kept it close. Even though McDavid really wasn't letting the um, Kings at any point own that stuff. But I thought the Oilers, they got it done. That's, that is what it is.
1: Yeah. You know, I always will have a soft spot for the Kings. Um, they're one of my favorite teams. They they always have been definitely up there. Now that Vegas is in the lead, though, league, pro- Vegas is now probably my second team just because I have more of a connection to Vegas. But, you know, the Kings are probably right there with Vegas or close third. Um, this series proved to everyone what everyone expected, what the series would be competitive, close game seven. Um, I had the Kings winning in seven. I know a lot of people had this series and ending in seven, and it came down to the wire. It's just you could tell how bad McDavid wanted this game. He has McDavid rarely has a personality. You see him on the bench; he just he doesn't smile. He's just very you know quiet, low key. Scores the dagging goal with three minutes and fifty three seconds left in the third period. This it's like he won the lottery. His emotion. He was fist pumping his hands. He was cheesing. You you could just tell in his eyes how bad this man wanted it. And it it just, when McDavid's on fire, when Dreisaitl's on fire, these two could just steal a game at any second. And um, I just, I think there's problems going forward. We'll talk about that. Um, But this is what you want. You talk about the Maple Leafs. Here's what the performance you want. McDavid, four goals, 10 assists, 14 points in seven games that's two points per game in the playoffs dry saddle with five goals four assists nine points together combining for 23 points between the two in seven games that means each game they're averaging 3.28 points per game 3.28 points per game combined between those two what that's just insane to think about that they're getting that many points per game um It just goes to show you that they could steal a series at any time. They now play the Calgary Flames Battle of Alberta. Um, Their goaltending stinks, but we'll see what happens. It was a great series, and I I genuinely enjoyed watching this matchup.
0: I've never seen a player put their team on their back more than number 97 did because sidle reportedly has a high ankle sprain. Of course, he's still going to play, and sidle with one leg is still better than 90% of players in the National Hockey League, but – mcjesus having 14 points in 17 or in seven games is just absolutely banana lands and i would put that series performance from him up against any player in any series ever throw wayne gretzky at me throw Mario Lemieux at me throw taves throw anyone who had outstanding legendary series at me i don't care i'm taking mcjesus there's no way Wayne Gretzky ever had 14 points in seven games against a goalie like Jonathan Quick with Kopitar and Denault on the other side trying to shut me down the whole time. If the Kings didn't have Kopitar and Denult, McDavid might have had 20 points. Those are two of the five best defensive forwards in the NHL right now, mm-hmm. Denult and Kopitar. And so the Kings were able to get one of them out there, even on the road. They were able to do it. Because it's hard to keep two guys, two centers away from one guy. So, shout out to McDavid. He's the early Conn Smythe Trophy favorite. I don't necessarily think Edmonton's going to win the cup. But like you said, those two can take over a series. I think the X factor in the series is Evander Kane. Evander Kane had seven goals. And in that game six, when he scored the seventh goal and he went like this, Our friend Ryan Whitney went to Twitter and posted a video of what looked like McDavid screaming at Evander Kane for doing that because you didn't win yet. Yeah, you forced game seven. You have seven goals. You're awesome, Evander Kane, at hockey. Apparently, you're a shitbag person, but you're really good at hockey. And McDavid and Evander Kane went to the media after and quoted Ryan Whitney's tweet and shut it down said that didn't happen he wasn't mad at me i had seven goals but then there are some other clips that came out after that fact that really make it look like mcdavid wasn't too happy with him he didn't give him a high five after scoring the goal and doing that it's just weird i don't know who i believe um what i do believe though is it doesn't matter Evander Kane keeps scoring goals. McDavid will keep putting it on your tape for you before you even realize it. McDavid knows where you're going more than you do, probably. And as long as Jai Seidel can stand up and keep ripping those one-tees on the power play, they have a chance to win.
1: I agree. I mean, I think we said it pretty good. I mean, you know, the thing I was hoping for through the whole series was entertainment, and that's what I got, so I can't complain.
0: Yeah, and... I know you like the Kings. I don't mind the Kings. I actually kind of like the Kings. I respect the Kings. I'm excited to watch a lot of their prospects to the NHL over the next five or six years. I think they will be a cup contender again really soon. Um, I think in the world of hockey, though, seeing McDavid advance is going to be nice. I'm excited to see him play in the second round. We'll get to that in a little bit. But
1: Absolutely.
0: McDavid was handed the reins of best player in the NHL from mr Sidney crosby who made it back for game seven against the new york rangers and it was the one first round game that went to overtime artemi panarin scored in overtime and the new york rangers defeated i'm sorry one of two first round games that went to overtime excuse me um artemi panarin scored in overtime the game was an instant classic The other overtime game, to me, not as much of an instant classic because I think one team will get to that. But the Penguins and the Rangers each had an equal chance to win. They both deserved to win, and the Rangers got the power play in overtime, and our Temi Panarin sniped at home, and Madison Square Garden went crazy. They became the first team in NHL history to win three straight games to come back from 3-1 in comeback fashion. They came back in all three of their wins to come back in the series as a whole. They're the first team in NHL history to do that. It was a remarkable run by them. The Penguins got Jari back and Crosby in game seven. It made a difference, but it didn't make enough of a difference. The Rangers are moving on to series number two.
1: Yeah, um, before I get into what I was gonna say about them, so when the when the Rangers were down three to one and the Tampa Bay Lightning we're down three to two. And you said, Let's go, Leafs. And I said, No sweat. Lightning in you know where I'm going with this. Mm-hmm. Lightning in seven. You kind of made fun of me. You put the laughing emojis in and he said you, you gave me a smart remark saying, What? Rangers in seven, two. And I said I wouldn't be surprised. And you sent me a picture of Sidney Crosby cheesing. And I just want to say, What do you have to say for yourself that you make that remark and then you're gonna eat your words on that?
0: Well, the New York Rangers are my least favorite team in the national hockey league. They're probably my least favorite team in sports, but it's a little different. My feelings on it because of my hatred for them, they could be worlds better and I'm picking them to lose. I just wanted the Leafs to win so bad. I have nothing against Tampa Bay. I like Tampa Bay. They have hall of famers all over the place. The Rangers coming back absolutely disgusts me. So that's what I have to say for myself. I'm a complete Muppet. (laughs) The Penguins had a lead in all three games. The Rangers became the first team to come back in three straight wins in a comeback effort for the series as a whole. I said that already. Um, Artemi Panarin had a dog shit game seven and then he scored a power play goal and it just all went out the window. Nobody will ever talk about how truly bad he was in game seven. A lot of it had to do with the bad ice. There was a lot made about the bad ice at Madison Square Garden from both teams. It's not Penguins complaining. It's not Ranger hater me complaining. The ice was bad. Gerard Gallant even mentioned it, and he said Panarin's one of the only players on the Rangers that relies on skill that much where the ice affects you. So I kind of understand why Panarin had a bad game where the rest of the skill players on um, New York didn't really look like – Zabanejad relies on his shot and good placement. Mm-hmm. is a power forward. Strom is a two-way defen- uh, defensive centerman. Um, who am I missing? The top players. Fox is a defenseman. Uh, Keandre Miller, really good shot, good, solid on the back end. Chesterkin's the second best goalie in the world, in my opinion. Panarin, though, he needs that ice to be perfect. Kind of like Patrick Kane and Datsuk. Remember, mm-hmm. like, even those guys could, you know, dangle in a phone booth, but at the same time, like it'd be nice for them to have the nice ice. Panarin took advantage. My response is I'm a Muppet and I deserve it. The Devils quote tweeted the Carolina Hurricanes yesterday. <laughs> what did the Hurricanes tweet? Hold on. I could pull it up really quickly. I have it saved. The Devils tweeted – or the Carolina Hurricanes tweeted, today's a great day to have a great day. And the Devils <laughs> quote tweeted it saying, you know what you have to do. Because <laughs> they want the Rangers yeah. to win. So my response is the Leafs one I'll wear a little more. You can make fun of me about that. The Rangers one. When am I not picking against the Rangers and making fun of anyone who does? That's my true, honest response to that.
1: All right. But as I was going to say about the series, both teams were evenly matched. Um, it came down to goaltending, though. Uh, I think what and that's what hurt the Pittsburgh Penguins the most. You got Louis Domingue coming in. He had a three and three record in these playoffs. And so now Domingue's not used to playing in these type of big games or. Doesn't get a lot of time in the regular season. He comes in, goes three and three with a three sixty five goals against and an eight ninety eight save percentage. Those numbers are definitely not going to cut in the playoffs, and they're not going to cut it in the regular season either. Then you throw in Jari, who comes back for Game Seven. To me, it's a little too late. Returning from an injury after a prolonged period of time ain't easy. Now you're throwing him into a pressure situation in Game Seven. It's just, I mean, by all means, Shostakin wasn't you know throwing out Vezina numbers either. Um, he had he posted a 910 save percentage and i believe his uh goals against might have been over 3 but i mean the the difference here is sterkin we know what he's capable of he played a ton during the regular season he had he's gonna win the Vezina. um it's just it's like night and day between deming and I, the goaltending situation you know hurt a little bit in this situation in this scenario um and ultimately To me, that was the biggest X factor in this series was goaltending.
0: I agree completely. If they had Jari or even DeSmith, I think I do think the Penguins would have won when I picked the Penguins to win. I didn't necessarily think that. And when I sent that text to you, I didn't necessarily think Deming would start games five, six, and seven, but it is what it is. I'm a clown. I hope the Rangers get killed by Carolina. Um, I want to ask you one thing. There's a goal in this game. That was scored by Mika Zabanajad. It tied the game for the New York Rangers, thus forcing overtime. On the play, Mr. Alexis Lafreniere pulled the helmet off of Evan Rodriguez of the Pittsburgh Penguins. Normally, when a non-blind ref is watching the game, he calls... I I can't remember if they said it was interference or unsportsmanlike. It's it's, It's unsportsmanlike. Yeah, you can't pull another guy's helmets off. And another dumb rule in the NHL is when your helmet comes off, you have to either A, pick it up and put it back on, or B, go to the bench and change. Rodriguez was far away from the helmet. He made the smart decision based on that stupid-ass rule to go to the bench and change. And while he was changing, the New York Rangers had a brief 15-second kind of power play type situation. And Jad scores. And there was no penalty called on Lafreniere. And so there are two issues at hand here, the dumb helmet rule and the fact that the referees in the NHL stink. If Lafreniere doesn't do that and Rodriguez has his man and Jad doesn't score, the Penguins probably win that game 3-2, to maybe. I honestly think they probably do. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, so after the game, Bucci was interviewing an NHL rules analyst, and I, I watched the whole interview post game. Um, I, I I think he probably it would have been easier. I think to pick up the helmet. I think it's the helmet was closer than skating to the bench, no doubt. I mean, that's just that's a given. I mean, yeah. it's just math if you look at the ice. Um, now, another thing that the rules analyst said, and I don't know how the refs interpreted it. Is that when the helmet, when you take the helmet off, it has to be intentional to be a penalty. And what the guy who was dissecting the play said is that, as you could see, they're both going towards the puck. Uh, uh, Lafreniere's arm went around the head as they were kind of going down. It didn't look intentional. Obviously, he might have played it off. Lafreniere, like maybe if I act or do a little acting, then it won't like look intentional. But um, from what I've seen, I I don't know. I, I can't make that judgment call. I really don't know if it was intentional or not. If I had to choose, I'd say no, it wasn't just by the, whole, the way the play was looking. I think Lafreniere probably knew what he was doing when he was going down and maybe, you know, gave that little extra force to rip the helmet off. But ultimately, I think that he should have picked the helmet up. You don't even have to strap it, the guy said. All you have to do is put it on. So – Leaving the ice, I mean, you, you pick your poison. You Got to go get your helmet, or you're going to leave the ice. Either way, you're going to have a little power play, regardless. But I don't know. I agree. If that doesn't happen, there's a good chance that the Rangers don't tie it up. But what happened happened, and yeah, I don't know. Here we are.
0: Yeah, I I kind of agree with you. Um, you can't. You're not in Lafreniere's head. You're not in Rodriguez's head. You're not in anyone's head except your own. To me the rule is the bigger issue here. Yeah. The fact that he can't just keep playing if he wants to, like you used to be able to, Um, that changed here, the whole game. And here, here is
1: what the rule should be, in my opinion. The rule should be that, yes, every player has to wear a helmet for player safety. But if your helmet comes off, you could finish your play or finish your shift. But you can't... Like, if you leave the ice, then you have to come back with the helmet. You know what I mean? But you're able to play your current shift until there's a stoppage. And then you have to put your helmet back on, especially in key situations like this. And I get why they don't do that. They don't, I mean, players are taking hundred mile per hour shots upwards of 90 miles per hour. They don't want players getting killed, getting hit right between the eyes with like a slap shot or anything like that, or like getting serious, like brain damage or anything like that. I get it. But I mean, there are certain situations like this where it just could cost you in too big of games. And, I don't know if they're going to change this rule, just because the NHL Department of Player Safety is really like high up on play keeping players safe. But if I was part, if I was in the room trying to like change some of the rules, that would be the, my rule and my proposition to them. I think you should be allowed to finish your shift, um, and if you want to come back on the ice, then you obviously need a helmet. But I don't know. That's just me.
0: I would rather the play just be blown dead. Or that than what we saw, and I'm watching this replay again right now. The puck isn't even anywhere near these two guys, and Lafreniere just wrestles them to the ground. You could hit him for interference too. I mean, it's just a stupid ass play by Lafreniere. He contributed more by doing this dirty ass shit than anything with his offense that he was taken number one overall for. So I guess when you're not as good as you were projected to be when you first came out of the draft. You got to start pulling shit like this.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. So shout out to the Penguins. It was probably the best Penguins team since they won the cup in 2016. I think things would have been different. Head injuries, not taking a point. Evgeny Malkin and Christopher Latang are both unrestricted free agents. We'll get all over all of that throughout the summer. It's just something to plant into the barroom networks, hockey fans, brains. Um, mm-hmm. As we move forward, it's something – We'll get into, of course, where we think they end up. How much do we think they're going to get? Apparently, they each rejected fifteen over three years, so that's five million annual, five million against the cap. That would be a significant pay decrease for both of them, but they're both in their mid thirties. Apparently, Sidney Crosby wasn't happy with hearing about these offers. So, is this the end of the Penguins as we know them? It's very possible. You know, I I actually do think. I texted this to Jeremy. I do think the New York Rangers make a push for Evgeny Malkin because if they can get him for six mil, seven mil, and you put him on a line with his countryman Panarin, they don't really have a a superstar offensive centerman, Zabanajad kind of. But, like, if you could have Malkin, Zabanajad, Strom as your top three centers, then the Rangers might be looking to win the cup. But we'll see what happens. Penguins are done. Rangers move on to play Carolina. The last Game 7 that we have to talk about was probably the most interesting Game 7. It was the second-best Game 7 because it did go to overtime, and even though I don't think it was a straight-up instant classic like the Rangers versus Penguins, it's, of course, the Calgary Flames against the Dallas Stars. The Calgary Flames won in overtime thanks to Jonathan Ice Hockey, Johnny Goudreau, scoring from a wicked angle to beat jake ottinger ottinger on the 68th shot of the evening 68 or 67 regardless it was a crazy game for him it was one of the most dominant goaltending performances in a single playoff game you'll ever see dallas had no business being in overtime of that game they should have gotten killed six to two if you really think about it but ottinger stood on his head the Dallas Stars still managed to win in overtime. It's the second most saves in a playoff game ever. Um, the funny thing about it, I'm pretty sure the two most saves in a loss or in a game ever are both losses. J.S. Jagir, in or it was game seven, most yeah. saves ever in a game seven, second most. First most was J.S. Jaguar in the Stanley Cup final of 2003. Both guys lost the game, but set that record. So it's kind of funny. But um, one stat I wanted to point out to the fans before I let Frankie dissect the game. In 2017, the Chicago Blackhawks, you might remember, traded down in the draft. And they traded the pick 26 to the Dallas Stars. And the Hawks moved down to 29 where they brought out Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and they picked Henry Yoki in front of the United Center crowd. Well, three picks earlier while Taves and Kane were getting their suits on the Dallas stars went out there and selected Jake Ottinger, who is now their heroic goaltender. He started the year fourth on their depth chart. They started the year thinking they were going to have some sort of trio of Ben Bishop, Anton Hudobin, and Brayden Holtby. And then Holtby got hurt. Hudobin kind of stunk, was hurt. Ben Bishop retired. Now it's Ottinger's team, and he's their bright young goalie. They have a star forward in Jake Robertson. They have a star defenseman in Miro Heiskinen and now they have a star goalie and Jake Ottinger. So I don't think Dallas is done. they got to figure out Jamie, Ben, and Tyler Sagan, who make way too much money for being a fourth-line center now and a third-line winger, which is what Sagan and Ben were in this series, literally. But once they figure out that situation, I, I think they have a bright future, too. They have a lot of good prospects. So
1: Yeah, you know, I'm surprised that the Stars even took two games off them. I thought the Flames were going to win kind of easy just because what we saw from game 1. I just want to go on the record and say you can't expect to win a playoff series by trying to defend the net. It's just not going to happen. I mean the Flames had 255 shots in the series. They averaged 42 and a half shots per game, which is just crazy. That cannot even be near what you can allow per game. Um and the Dallas Stars only ever, or only shot 174 shots in the series, which were 29 shots per game. I mean, we're talking about a 13 and a half shot per game difference. I mean, that just cannot happen. And that you have veterans on the team like Ben Pavelski, Sagan. You got all these veterans who are used to the playoffs and you got playoff experience, but you just get pounded, pounded, pounded on the, the shots. You're not going to win games giving up that many shots on goal. And the interesting part is that the Dallas Stars they made virtually every game interesting, even the ones they lost. And that's why you never wanted to go to a game seven because anything could happen in game seven. Ottinger could have stole that game. The Dallas Stars could have got a luck- lucky bounce, and we could be talking differently right now.
0: They almost but did.
1: I I know, and I Hagan, just
0: Sagan had that backdoor chance, and, and he like shot his scary. point out, and it went like just wide of the net.
1: And that's what's scary. That's when it's like. Anybody could steal a game in a game seven and anything could happen, but it's just they the veterans on Dallas didn't carry the team enough. They didn't pressure Markstrom enough, in my opinion. Like I said, you're only averaging 29 shots per game where Calgary's 13 and a half more at 42 and a half shots per game. I mean, that just can't happen. That's not winning hockey right there, but they did keep each series interesting. They ended up taking um um a few games off. They went, yeah, that was game seven, right? Yeah. Yeah. They ended up taking, I don't know why I said two games. They ended up taking three games off of, um, the Calgary flames more than I thought. Um, really fun series to watch. Really fun to see Jake Ottinger in that in game seven. That was just so much fun to watch. Um, and I know a lot of people in social media really enjoyed that too, but yeah, the veterans didn't pull their weight in my opinion. And, I didn't give the Stars enough credit, didn't think they're really going to go anywhere, but they they proved that they weren't here to mess around. Just ultimately, they didn't do enough, and the Calgary Flames proved too strong, and that concluded round one of the playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, Dallas, they, they deserve to be in the conversation of most impressive teams in the first round. I thought them and the Kings probably get that distinction because I didn't... I picked the Kings, but at the same time, thinking about where the Kings were in October and what the projections were for that team and taking it to game seven against Edmonton, who everyone thought was going to be in the playoffs and obviously were. And then I think the flames are the second best team in the Western conference right now. And Dallas took them to the break. Mm -hmm. I will also give a shout out to Jacob Markstrom. He is one of the Vesna trophy finalists. I do think he will come in third, but he was outstanding too. I mean, Dallas only had like 25 shots, but he made saves when they were presented to him. And sometimes it's harder to be the guy making 25 saves when the puck is down in the other end of the rink the whole time. Uh, At least Dottinger was like in a groove and everything he saw, he was able to save. And Markstrom got a little lucky that Sagan pushed that puck wide. I, I honestly couldn't believe my eyes when it didn't go in. That was about to be the dagger of a game where like a goalie stole The series, I liked the handshake line of this series. I'm I'm a big handshake line guy. Everybody loves a good handshake line. Mm -hmm. This was a 9.3 handshake line because Ottinger was literally the line moved like a turtle because every single player on Calgary gave an extended congratulations conversation to Ottinger. And Markstrom literally, I'm pretty sure word for word, he was like, you were fucking awesome, man. Keep it up. You got a bright future. And that's what us Chicago guys get to deal with in our division for the next hundred years. I mean, freaking Ottinger, Colorado is what they are, the Blues are what they are. Nashville's going to start to stink, I think, in short order. But they do have Saros and Yossi, so like even they're sick. The Wild, I think, are going to suck next year and the year after, but because that's because of cap issues. They're gonna have Perisi and Suter hitting fifteen million against the cap next year and the year after. So they're gonna to have to trade Fiala or someone. But and once those two years are up, the Wild will be right back. You know because they have Kaprizov and outstanding defensive prospect Boldy's unbelievable. So the Central Division, it's very hard. The Winnipeg Jets are on the downward. But if they hire Barry Trotz and decide to keep Wheeler and Shifley and Pierre-Luc Dubois. And all those guys, they could be good again too. And they have yep. buck who might be the second best goalie in the division behind Saros. You never know. So tough, 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 tough. But the first round was brilliant, and now we're gonna move on to the second round. We're gonna talk about all those teams that won playing against each other in period number two. <laughs> Welcome to period two where we will talk about what is going on in the second round of the Stanley cup playoffs. for the second straight series or set of series bar down talking hockey started in between the first games of, ga- of the first game. If that makes sense, like half the, the half of the teams left played their game one. The other half goes tonight. It was like that in round one, too with bar down. So, so NHL stop starting your series on Tuesdays. Nobody likes you. Um, Last night, it was very interesting. The Tampa Bay Lightning who defeated the Toronto Maple Leafs as we discussed took a one-nothing series lead over those pesky Florida Panthers. The score was 4-1, but it was a 3-1 2-1 type game, like Tampa got the lead late and then they added the empty netter, I think. Um it's just it's just remarkable what the Lightning do and the Panthers tied it late at 2. Mm -hmm. And then they waved the goal off for the puck hitting the back netting. Mm -hmm. But the Panthers are outstanding and the lightning are outstanding. I think this series goes to the brink, but I'm, I wish I was a little more confident in the team that I picked to win the Stanley cup to dethrone the champs. I don't know. We'll see. What's your take on what happened last night and who you got in the series?
1: Uh, I got Colorado winning the series.
0: Um, Uh, This is Tampa, Tampa, Florida.
1: Oh, Tampa, Florida. Okay. Hold on. Um, I um I'm not you didn't surprised spoil
0: anything though. Everybody knows you got Colorado to win the series. Everyone does, except yeah, for people in Yeah, you threw, the you third threw a
1: curveball on me. Well, they um,
0: played first.
1: True, but um, written down, I had it backwards. I have it okay. opposite. Um, I'm not surprised the Lightning won Game One. Right, the Panthers did not look good against the Washington Capitals at all, which was a little worrisome. And now you're coming in to play the defending Stanley Cup champs, back-to-back champs, and honestly not surprised in the bracket. I got the Panthers. I think I'm flipping though. I think the Tampa Bay lightning are going to win this series um, just because of what we've seen. They just been dominant. The Florida Panthers don't really scare me um, that much. It's like they got the uh, president's trophy curse on them right now from winning the, having the most points in hockey. The, the lightning actually had nine different players contribute on their four goals in the series. Just proves the depth. That this team has. You got kucherov Hedman, Cory Perry even chipped in a few a little bit. Um, who else? Maroon may probably was on the score sheet. I'm talking about nine different
0: players.
1: Yeah, I mean, you name it, the the player probably had an influence in this game. Um and just like I said, the way that we saw them play against the Capitals, who in my opinion they it should have taken the Capitals. C- should have taken care of the Capitals pretty easily. Uh, the I think the Lightning are going to end up coming out of this series, even though I chose the Panthers, but we'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, I, the Tampa Bay Lightning have impressed me so far and they're definitely a force to be reckoned with right now.
0: The problem for Florida is Kucherov's going now. He was dog shit for the most part in series. Number one, Stamkos point Hadman, Vasilevsky. They helped Kucherov kind of get his legs under him in the playoffs and get going. We know how skilled this guy is. And now he's going, he scored a sick power play goal against the Panthers yesterday. Um I don't know. I picked Florida in preseason, so I'm not going to back off. I'm still going to pick the Panthers. It's the one ser- it's the one team that I feel like it's just against my duty yeah. to back off against because then if I do flip and they win, then I can't claim That's a I bad pred- look. Then I can't cl- I also can't claim predicting them in preseason if they win. You know. I hear you. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I got to stick with the Panthers. I hope they're able to tie it tomorrow night. I'm very excited about that team. Even if they lose this year, I'm excited about that team in the long term because when you think about their core, Bobrovsky, we don't know how long he's going to be elite, but they have Spencer Knight, who's one of the top goalie prospects in the world. Um, Barkov, Huberdo, Ekblad is one of the great wing defense center cores in the NHL, especially all being under the age of like 26. The, all those guys are nasty and going to be very good for a long time. I, it, it honestly makes me think of Taves, Kane, and Keith. I think Keith in his prime is a little better than Ekblad in his prime, but Ekblad's like a first overall oh, yeah. top-paired defenseman. He's awesome. And Huberto, Huberto's as productive as Kane was offensively, 110 points, top five in the league scoring. And Barkov is as good, if not better, of a two-way centerman than Taves. Well, he doesn't have the legendary moments of a Taves yet, but – it's based on skill, Barkov might be better than Taves in his prime. So it's just – it's a really good team. S- Tampa's Tampa. Everything we said about them against the Leaf, Man. it's going to apply in this series, and Florida's going to have to be much better in game number two if they want to win the series. If they go back to Tampa 2-0, Tampa – I think they're screwed. Oh. I think the Panthers oh. are screwed. Toast. Must-win game for the Florida Panthers. And not- there's,
1: no ev- there's not even butter on that toast.
0: Yeah, no. It's just – it's burnt. Uh, not even like it's it's uh it's so crispy that like they just crumble it's off disgusting yeah. it's the bad kind of toast it's probably oh, yeah. not, it's probably not even like a good flavor of bread either it's like it's not honeyweed or pumpernickel or <laughs> just straight up white bread it's like that nasty like stringy bread that nobody likes Ugh. and we're italians we know our bread i'm not i'm i'm not tooting my own horn here but i know a thing or two about bread that would not be good bread so the other game you mentioned the Colorado Avalanche took a 1-0 series lead over the St. Louis Blues. It's a little less debatable, I think, for a lot of people here. The Blues are really good. It was nice of them to upset the Wild. It was an upset in my book, beating the Wild. I think the Wild were the better team in the regular season, but the Blues, they took care of Mark andre Fleury. The Wild didn't really handle their goaltending situation all that well once they had Fleury and Talbot, but the Blues did and they prevailed, but this Avalanche team, too good. They, they were lucky to get it to overtime. It, it kind of had, to a slight less degree – not a slight less degree, a lot less degree – a very similar feel to the Calgary-Dallas game. One team dominated but managed to score a late power play goal and get it tied. That's what the Blues did, and it forced overtime. I mean, I mean you look at the shots when that happened. That was uh, – The goal that tied it for St. Louis was their 25th shot of the night and the ads were pushing 40. So you're almost out shooting them three to one. You're Colorado. You're better. You drive offense better. Every one of the thing about Colorado is every one of their skill players has the motor of a Braden point. That's the thing that's crazy to me. They probably take the least amount of shifts off in the entire NHL. They are at full energy Every single shift. And it's all their skill players. Makar, McKinnon, Mm -hmm. uh, Rantanen, this Valeri Nachuskin kid. He was taken ninth overall, I think, in 2013 by Dallas. He went to go play in the KHL a little bit because he hated playing for the Stars. Comes back to Dallas. Has a pretty good year. Now that he's with uh, Colorado, he's sick. Mm -hmm. And I didn't even mention Rantanen. So, and I honestly think that Colorado's defense rivals the old Hawks defense. When you think of Keith Seabrook, Yalmerson and Oduya, I get that vibe. If not better, nobody's as good as Keith of that mix yet. Makar is pushing it though, but Makar Gerard, Taves and Byram. That's one of the best top fours I've ever seen. And they got the OTGWG from Josh Manson. Mm -hmm. who's their fifth defenseman. And then their sixth defenseman is Eric Johnson, who was the first overall pick in the Taves draft, the Jonathan Taves draft. So I don't know about this team. I don't understand how it went to overtime. I kind of think they're going to sweep the blues. You know,
1: the Colorado Avalanche have that play from behind mentality. I talked about it many light years of podcasts ago. Um, how they just they are the team that is just never out of it. And once again, they're down 1-0, go up 2-1, and win 3-2 in overtime. It's like th- they don't care like if the other team scores. They don't care if the Blues score first. They want the Blues to score first. They're like, come on. I want, it, I want to give you guys a taste of what winning would feel like. And then they just snatch it from them. Um, the Avalanche looked quicker. They are quicker. Their team is built around speed. I mean, just look how quick Kale McCarr is, uh, Rantanen. Uh, McKinnon, they're just all speedsters. You just got a whole plethora of just speedy guys out there, which just, it plays into their matchup. Um, Blues played a tough six, six game series against the wild, which could come into it. The, which could come into play. The Colorado avalanche swept the Nashville predators. They got a little bit more rest. Sometimes the extra rest may hurt you, but I think in this situation, having a couple extra days off may actually help this team because they're built around speed and you need that extra energy to be so quick. So I, I ultimately see the Colorado a- avalanche winning this series pretty easily. Um, I don't know if they necessarily sweep them, but five or six should get the job done.
0: I couldn't agree more. When you watch that power play, has any group like moved more. Cause normally when I think of a power play, I think of one in front of the net, then three across the middle and then one at the top known as like the quarterback, mm-hmm. right? Colorado. They like move more than any power play. McCarr is oh, yeah. zipping around. And basically the only one who's in place is for the most part, Landis Cog like stays in front of the net in case there's some garbage to clean up. But like the way Rantanen and McKinnon and McCarr move this thing. And then you could choose whatever other person you want out there. When it's four forwards and Macar, it's almost like there's five forwards, because when like when I think of the, I keep referencing these teams, but they were just so good at, at every part of the game. Those old Hawk teams that had Bickle in front of the net and Gabriel Landeskog is worlds better than Bickle. Then you had Taves in the bumper position. Then you had Kane and Sharp running the half walls, and then Keith at the point or Seabrook. And then the second power play unit was a different combination of different players based on what year it was, plus either Keith or Seabrook, whoever wasn't on the other unit. They all kind of had their place, though. Kane oh, yeah. Kane would either take a shot or across ice pass from the half wall. Sharp was the sniper on the other side. Taves and Bickle working in front in the bumper slash net front presence, and then Keith. Colorado doesn't do that. Makar is just zipping around all over the place and he's making cross-team passes and taking shots himself from the half wall. I mean, it's just the most unbelievable thing I've seen when Shen took that power play at the end of regulation yesterday. I thought it was over. Right, <laughs> I'm like, these guys are getting ready to go. They're, they're going to take advantage of this borderline call. I don't know if you agreed with the call. I really didn't have a take on it. I was just kind of more thinking about the fact that Shen is so angry that he like broke the camera on per like he smashed the camera mm-hmm. in the penalty box, and they just went on this crazy run on the power play. They didn't score, but they kind of had the momentum the rest of the overtime and mm-hmm. thus scoring that goal. Josh Manson. There was some net front presence there. They're just so flipping good, man. I like I like watching them. So do I. They're fun to watch. Yeah. So that's Except the first. Game. The well. The Hawks got that one game against them where they took them no to overtime, and then Kale McCarr had That's that, like, play. In. Yeah, I honestly think. And I know Bobby Orr, Lidstrom, even for most of, like, Keith and Carlson, Eric Carlson's prime, didn't have three-on-three overtime. Because if you think about it, three-on-three overtime, Eric Carlson, Duncan Keith, Drew Doughty, they were still elite, but they weren't, like, the fast early mm-hmm. 20-year-olds anymore. Oh, yeah. Kael McCarr is the best three-on-three defenseman in the league and probably ever. I can't think of a guy who impact even four-on-four overtimes. And, and I'll include guys like Keith and Carlson because they did play in the four-on-four overtimes. Lidstrom, um, what's his name, Bobby Orr, th- those guys, Raymond Bork, those guys really didn't play overtime much If you know, the with the, the pre-shootout level overtime. Yeah. It was just a different game mccarr though unbelievable i love watching that guy so we'll see what the avalanche are able to do to the blues i think the blues stand no chance
1: i couldn't agree more
0: so we talked about the battle of florida now nah, we'll close with this one actually we talked about the new york rangers they beat the pittsburgh penguins the carolina hurricanes they beat the boston bruins people are saying the carolina hurricanes are just going to shell the new york rangers I think they're gonna win, but to just assume like I'm not looking at it the way I look at Colorado versus St. Louis at all. The Rangers have the goalie, okay, and if you have the best goalie left in the play or second best goalie left in the playoffs, anything can happen. Anything can happen. Anybody who denies is just ignorant and has never watched hockey. You have a goalie as good as Shesterkin was in games five, six, seven, because he was kind of bad early in the series, mm-hmm. but. Yeah. He really locked it in, and he was the best goalie in the NHL this season. I would personally take Vasilevsky over him like long-term, but this year he was the best goalie. He's going to win the Vesna. No, it's not even going to be close. Whoever comes in second is going to be 200 points behind him. I don't think it's an easy series for the Hurricanes. I think they have what it takes to beat Chesterkin. They play a good team game. Seeing Brindamore coach against Gerard Gallant, is going to be very interesting to me because they're both kind of assholes and they're both very strategic, but I think they're both very good. And off ice, they're gentlemen, You know, of course. Mm -hmm. I'm talking strictly in between the lines. Um, I'm excited for this series. I don't think it's going to be as easy as people think it's going to be for Carolina, though, but the Devils fan in me wants to just start, start calling them the New Jersey Hurricanes and root for them.
1: You know, I'm one of those guys who think that it's going to be a breeze for the Carolina Hurricanes. I I don't see the Rangers giving much of a fight in this series. I think Trocheck, Slavin, Aho, D'Angelo, Domi. I think all those guys are just going to be prove too much for Shisterkin, Especially because how many, how often could you just fight back? You know, you they were down in Game Five, Game Six, Game Seven, and ended up winning. It takes a lot of energy out of you coming off of seven games yeah, the Hurricanes went to seven games, but it was more of like, not necessarily a breeze, maybe the right right term, but there's like less energy that needed to be put into it because there weren't many overtime games. There weren't, you know, the, the Rangers played a triple overtime. They went to game seven overtime. They There's just more that went on in that series. Um, I think Carolina are worlds better than the New York Rangers. I don't think that necessarily goalies could steal a series i do think they could steal games for you but not the whole series like jake ottinger almost stole the the game seven for the dallas stars against the calgary flames but um i just i just don't see the carolina hurricanes losing to the rangers and i don't see it being close either i'd say five games um i I don't think i don't think any of these series are going four So I'll just say five. I think it's gonna be a breeze for them. Honestly, the way they play at home, too, especially if they could snag these first two games at home. There's no way they lose both on the road against the Rangers. So I think they just bury them in five, honestly.
0: I hope you're right. My God, I hope you're right. Like it's my take. I might sound like a homer or whatever. Like, that's fine. I am. I mean, look at my shirt, guys. I wear my heart on my sleeve. I want the Rangers to lose. They're good, though. I I wish I saw it the same way. Maybe I will see it the same way come the end of tonight after they play their first game. But we shall see. It's going to be a good series. Um, There's lots of skill. There's no doubt about that there's lots of skill. The best player on either team plays for New York. And you can argue the three best players on either team play for New York. Talking about Panarin, Fox, and Shisterkin. But Carolina has much more depth. There's no doubt about that. I do think Fox would be Carolina's number one. I think Panarin would be their go-to on the power play, and Chesterkin is better than Ranta. So I do think the Rangers have, like, the top of the lineup edge over the Hurricanes, but they don't have a Trocek, a Nino Niederreiter, a Max Domi in their bottom six. You know, they're running guys like Philip Heedle and Capo Caco and Lafreniere who, eh. Mm -hmm. Eh. (laughs) So... We'll see what happens. I'm excited about it, though. I will be watching it. Here's the big boy, though. I'm going to get a little sweaty talking about this stuff. No pun intended. (sighs) For the first time since 1991, we will have the Battle of Alberta in the playoffs. Rick from Red Deer, he's getting ready to enjoy his two favorite teams going up against one another. For those who are watching the show who might be – You like hockey, but you think you watch this show because I'm kind of ugly and me and Joey scream at each other, and it's funny. I, I understand. Let me tell you something about the Battle of Alberta. Think of the Cubs playing the White Sox in the World Series. I mean that. I think it's that level of insanity. I do. Mets, Yankees in the World Series. Yankees, Red Sox in the ALCS. I mean it. They haven't played each other in so long. In the playoffs It would get a little stale I think if both teams stay good Because the top teams It's kind of getting repetitive Seeing like the The Lightning play the Bruins Or the Hurricanes play the Rangers Penguins Capitals They played each other a lot Because they were all good At the same time It's been a while Since the Flames and the Oilers Were both this good At the same time So they could meet In the second round Vegas and Vegas Kind of hurt that Within the last couple of years Because they were always Throwing a wrench in things But we have it It's here And I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I know Calgary's better. I know Calgary's better. I do. They have a better goaltender. I think McDavid and Dreisaitl are the two best players on either team. So based on that fact alone, I still would give the uh, forward edge to Edmonton because then you start thinking of the other forwards, right? Okay, well, who are the top players on Calgary? Goudreau, um, uh, Matthew Kachuk, Sean Monaghan. Lindholm, Um, I really like Blake Coleman. I think he brings. I think there's a reason everywhere he goes, success follows. Mm -hmm. Um, Except for New Jersey, but even with the Devils, he scored 20 as a third line center who got no power play time. Um, It's just a nice group of forwards. I really like Menjapani. Eat bread. Um, But. Edmonton, McDavid, Dreisaitl, Evander Kane, Ryan Nugent-Hopkins, Kyler Yamamoto, Jesse Pugliarvi. All those guys can score goals with the best of them. So, And Edmonton's a little deeper, I think, than people realize. People say, oh, it's the McDavid-Dreisaitl show. They're one-dimensional. That's not as true as people think Mm -hmm. because of all the forwards I just named. And I really like Darnell Nurse. Duncan Keith has brought some stability in terms of leadership. I hate their goaltending. I think that's ultimately what's going to prevail in this series but i'm not i'm not knocking off the edmonton oilers easy i think it goes 7 i think there's the rivalry aspect where even if either team if either team was significantly better cuz calgary's better i wouldn't say they're significantly better though the oilers are a top 5 6 team in the conference and i would put calgary at 2 um There's the rivalry aspect. Even if one's dog shit and one's really good, they're going to play each other hard. All the games are going to be close no matter what. It's been that way for years. They just haven't met in the playoffs. I got Calgary taking this one in seven. I'm very excited to watch it. It's the series of the second round by far. People don't realize how crazy hockey is in Canada, especially Alberta. Rick from Red Deer is just exploding watching this right now. For those who don't get, understand that joke, Rick from Red Deer. It's a joke about a guy who lives in Alberta. Red Deer is like a small town in Alberta that's halfway between Calgary and Edmonton. And like the joke is that they root for both teams in Red Deer. And so it, it's just, it's so exciting. I cannot wait. I cannot wait for the Battle of Alberta.
1: Yeah, I think you nailed it on the head with by saying, you know, the biggest X factor here is the rivalry. Because I think that Calgary should pound the Oilers, but it's a rivalry game. So now you got the Battle of Alberta. So it's, it might not be as dominant as people think. In my eyes, I don't trust Mike Smith. I think he stinks. Uh, he he's got to get out of there. The Oilers need to get him out. Whatever you got to do, you know, kick him out of the car. Do whatever you got to do. Get Mike Smith out of there as quick as possible. I think that. I, I wish this series was happening a couple years from now, and maybe it will, because I just I think that the Calgary Flames are too strong, and I hope that this series is as competitive if people as people are wanting it to be. Like people want it to be the Battle of Alberta, they want it to be you know one of the greatest series that we're watching. I just it, it the Oilers struggled with the Kings and had to take it to seven. Flames struggled with the Stars and had to take it to seven. The only difference here is. I think the Stars played better than the Kings, even though they didn't get that many shots on goal and all that. Whereas I think the Oilers on paper should have beat the Kings a little easier. So now now you're going from the Kings to the Flames. That's a big jump in skill level. So I don't know necessarily if it'll be as competitive as everybody's saying, but you bring up the point, that X factor, that, that rivalry series, and it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. Doesn't even have to be professional. It could be college teams. You get that rivalry factor. You get the dog meat teams against the cream of the crop. It's always close for some reason. I don't understand it. It's just that's just how it is. Um but I I I don't see this series being close, honestly. I mean, obviously the rivalry thing might prove me wrong, and it probably will prove me wrong, but uh I just You know, I think that the Flames are too strong. They're going to take this. Now, McDavid and Dreisaitl, they're always a factor in any game they play. I mean, McDavid had 14 points in seven games in the playoffs so far. So, I mean, he could steal a game here and there. But maybe we'll see this matchup down the line when I think it'll be a little more competitive. But we'll see what happens. But I I ultimately got the Flames in six.
0: I understand what you're saying. I think if they change their laundry, the Flames would kill them. Like if you took the St. Louis Blues or if you took the Edmonton Oilers roster and put them in St. Louis Blues jerseys and you took the Flames roster Mm -hmm. and put them in New Jersey Devils jerseys, the Devils would kill them. They would kill the Blues because they have the better roster. They're just better. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: But laundry means a lot in sports sometimes. Whatever you're wearing, it's weird how it changes everything. Because the people are cheering you on. They hate their opponent just a little bit more. Like the Edmonton Oiler crowd is going to hate the Flames when they come out of the tunnel just a little bit more than they hated the Kings. And McDavid will be be fired up. Mike Smith has had some okay games. He's been trash in his 40s. But he's played some good games this year, and he's got lots of playoff experience. He's the only goalie to ever get the Arizona Coyotes into relevancy like they got to the conference finals and really kind of made things tough on that Kings team that beat the devils in the 2012 Stanley cup final. Um, um, it's just so exciting. I literally cannot wait. I've been thinking about the battle of Alberta all day today. I want to see Matthew Kachuk fight someone on the others. Like I want to see him fight Evander Kane. I want to see McDavid and Goudreau make shiny plays. I want to see dry sidle and, uh, uh, Manjapani score goals like they did all season long. I mean, I'm just naming like the best at each thing in each team. Um, you got the experience of Duncan Keith on Edmonton. You got the experience of hmm, who's the player uh, Milan Lucic on the Calgary Flames. I mean, this series it's just gonna have a little bit of everything, and I cannot.
1: I think Evander Kane's gonna you know add that little flair that he had. Yeah, you know, that attitude. He's got that attitude. I'm not an Evander Kane fan, but I think that's going to play a big factor in this uh, in this series. Just and that attitude.
0: The Flames have Luch.
1: I, that's what I was getting at. That's why when you mentioned Lucic, I thought Evander Kane. It's like the one-and-one. One. I mean, something's going to happen. It's probably going to be a bloodbath. But I, I ultimately see the Flames taking the series. In the
0: so Do you hope you're wrong?
1: No. Oh. I have nothing against the Flames.
0: Neither do I. I picked him to go to the cup and lose to Florida. But I kind of think it'd be fun if Edmonton made it to the conference finals and got to play against Colorado and we had like the McKinnon versus McDavid conference final that we've been begging for for so long.
1: We'll get there. I hope.
0: Colorado's run's almost over. People don't realize it nobody talks about McKinnon's going to make a lot more than $5 million on his next contract. Kale McCarr is going to make a lot more than $900,000 on his next contract. (laughs) Rantanen and uh, Landis cock have already been paid. Um, I'm not sure how they're going to handle the goalie. They let Grubauer go in expansion and everyone clowned them and they probably made the right decision. Like, you know Kemper was really good this year. You know they do have a really nice defense. I think landing Bowen Byram, Stan Bowman gave him a free top four D, maybe top two D. Um, they the dumbest trade in Lou Lamorello's career as a GM in the NHL. I mean, we're talking three cups with the Devils. All those years in the playoffs. I think the Devils made the playoffs fourteen out of fifteen years from nineteen ninety three to two thousand eleven. Um. It's just an unreal amount of success. He got the Leafs to relevancy. He helped with Matthews and Marner. I know they're a joke in the first round, but they're a really good team. Lou Lamarello deserves some credit for that. Nylander signed Tavares, all, Riley, um, all that stuff. Yeah. The New York Islanders helped get them back to relevancy, hired Barry Trotz, developed Matt Barzal, Anders Lee, Brock Nelson, the dumbest thing he ever did, though, was trade Devin Taves to the Colorado Avalanche for two second-round picks. I There's just no way the Av uh, the Islanders land a player better than Devin Taves with either of those two second-round picks. It's possible. Mm-hmm. I mean, Keith was a second-rounder. The Hawks got buffling in the sixth round. Datsuk and Zetterberg were both taken in the sixth. It's possible. Mm-hmm. But, like, Devin Taves is so sick. And they got Gerard. Not a lot of people realize this. That year they had 48 points. You remember that? They were like the worst mm-hmm. team ever. The Avalanche. They traded Duchesne to the Senators in exchange for getting Gerard from Ottawa. And then they sent, Ottawa sent. Kyle Turris to Nashville. It was like a three-team trade that led to the Avalanche getting Gerard. Um Team's sick. They're
1: yeah, sick. I, they're fun to watch, man.
0: Yeah, it's just unreal. So that's the second-round preview. There are a lot of good games in there. Make sure you watch the Battle of Alberta at the very least. Um, we took a long time talking about the first two rounds, so we're going to kind of get – some into some fun let's have a little bit of fun with the nhl and other stuff going around in sports and entertainment let's get to that in period number three welcome to period three of bar down talking hockey your mic's up. messed up my mic is
1: oh now it just fixed it just randomly i knew that was going to happen when i said something
0: it's okay welcome to period three bar down talking hockey mic's all working good now Life is good, starting to heat up outside, even though today's a shit-bad cold day for May, May 18th standards anyway. Um, we'll talk about whatever you want in period number three. I didn't write it down. I wanted to talk about one prospect a week. I, you probably don't have notes planned because I didn't – I didn't even know who you were going
1: to Yeah,
0: yeah I, I, I forgot about that portion, and I realized it today. So I'll just talk a little bit here for a couple seconds. If you have a comment to chime in, that's totally cool, of course. Sure. But. The prospect that I want to talk about, Jaraj Slefkowski has the incredible, I wrote this tweet, has an incredible ability to score goals. He's someone for the New Jersey Devils to consider with the second overall pick. Jack would get the first crack at him, but I'd like to see him with Nico. Mm-hmm. He's somebody who is in the Olympic, or he's in the world championships right now playing for Slovakia, and the dude just does not stop scoring goals. Um in the Olympics, he led the Olympics in scoring and didn't have a single assist. When's the last time you saw anyone lead anything in scoring without a single assist? Never. He scored, seven, he scored seven goals, and that led the Olympics with seven. He led them in goals and points. Obviously, he didn't lead in assists because he had zero. Mm-hmm. But he's just a pure, pure sniper. Of course, you need him to develop into so, at least somewhat of a you know, offensive driver who can make a pass now and then that will lead to points that are more than just goals. But part of the devil's problem is they don't have any snipers besides Yegor Sharangovich. Jesper Brack can score some goals. Jack Hughes can score some goals. Nico Heischer can score some goals. But outside of Sharangovich, all those guys I named are pass first type of players. Mm-hmm. So knowing that uh, Slavkowski is available at the front of the draft, it's certainly somebody to consider. We talked about Shane Wright in week one. We talked about Logan Cooley in week two of doing these prospect stuff. Week three, we talked about Shimon Nemec. Slavkowski's my pick. I haven't announced it on Twitter yet, so if you're watching this you're getting breaking news from Vinny Parisi, that's who I want the Devils to take at pick number two. I wouldn't take the defenseman. You have Luke Hughes, Shakir Mohamedoulin, Riley Walsh, Kevin Ball, and those are all guys that aren't even on the New Jersey Devils yet. On the roster, you have Damon Severson, Dougie Hamilton, Ty Smith, Jonas Siegenthaler. Those are like your big four in the lineup right now. Subban's gone. He's not coming back next year. I'd be stunned if they bring him back. I I just don't think defense is the need anymore. It's goaltending and wingers. You have Jack Hughes, Nico Heischer, Dawson Mercer, Michael McLeod as your centers. That's if Heischer and Hughes remain point per game level players, they'll develop into those guys, be those top stars. You need wingers. And then, if you, I think if you get that in goaltending, you're a playoff team. Once you start growing more and adding a free agent here, a free agent there, you become a cup team with development. I would take Gerard Schlefkowski if I'm the New Jersey Devils. I don't know if you have anything to add on Schlefkowski.
1: No, because I had no idea who you were going to talk about this week. Um, but is he the consensus to go number three? No,
0: no there's no consensus.
1: There's like Shane, no like-
0: Shane Wright one, and then the intrigue of the draft really starts with pick number two.
1: So, but he's like top three, you think, for sure? Guarantee I would say
0: I would say top there's like four Cooley.
1: Cooley's like a top three, they're saying, or top four.
0: I would so you- say I would say there's four locks in the top four. They could just go and in anywhere. This
1: guy's one of them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I Cooley, Slefkowski who we just talked about, and Nemeck, who we talked about last week. Yeah. The defenseman. Okay. There's Shane Wright, who's a center. He's going one to Montreal. I'll be stunned if they go up on that stage. I'll be stunned and I'll be crying tears of joy because that would mean the Devils are getting Shane Wright. Um, but I'll be just absolutely flabbergasted if they don't go up there and take Shane Wright. In Montreal, the draft is in Montreal. They're not going to – there's no way in Montreal they go against all the consensus reports. There's just <laughs> no way. that the Bell, Center, the Bell Center's roof would blow off because of booze oh, if yeah. they did that. But then there's a player at each position. Defense, forward, center, or defense, center, wing. I think the Devils' biggest need is wing. So I think they're going to go with Slavkowski. I could be wrong. Um, As I start to hear more things, I'm sure I'll be bringing more knowledge on that to this show. But next week when we talk about a prospect, it will probably be a player that I don't think the New Jersey Devils will take. I think we named. We named whoever the Devils will take at two. We named whoever the uh, Coyotes will take at three, and I think we named whoever the Kraken will take at four. I think it's the Kraken at four. I think so, yeah. So I think we named the top four picks in the draft over these last four weeks. It's been a month since we've been talking prospects now, which is kind of nice. I enjoy getting in the nitty-gritty, informing people on future NHL potential stars, but that's what I got on Slavkowski.
1: Very good. I think you nailed it pretty well.
0: The Salki Trophy nominees were announced a couple days ago, of course. I I think it's the eighth straight season. Patrice Bergeron of the Boston Bruins, Alexander Barkov of the Florida Panthers, and Elias Lindholm of the Calgary Flames. Who you got?
1: I got Patrice Bergeron for factors that I stated last week I don't have like the stats written down when we were talking about who I would give it to and obviously he's nominated now and we didn't know he was nominated but I I thought he should have won it and now that he's a nominee I think they give it to him I mean I just hope that just because he's won it 4 times and winning it again would set a record. I hope they don't, like, just not give it to him for that fact. I don't care how many he's won. He fits the definition of the Selkie Trophy perfectly. He's, I mean, his face-off percentage is outstanding, plays great decent defense, but could also contribute to offense. And that's what the Selkie Trophy embodies. It's, that's what it's there for. I, I would give it to Patrice Bergeron if it was up to me. But, obviously, Barkov and Lindholm, great candidates, too and we will find out in short order who takes it.
0: I'm pissed that Lindholm is nominated. His underlying numbers are trash. He's not very good defensively. i just stunned that he was nominated. Um, I mean, he's okay defensively. I mean, he's fine. But there are guys who just deserve to be nominated way ahead of him. I can't believe that he was somebody who was – considered for this award it's for me it's bergeron or barkov whoever comes in third fourth fifth sixth and seventh probably deserve to be higher than linholm on this list um he's got to come in third if he doesn't i'll be kind of mad if he wins it i'll probably light someone on fire but i would vote for bergeron and here's the thing the top three nominees are the top three finishers. Whoever won the Salkeys decided. Mm-hmm. It, you know, There's nothing else that can influence. It's not like they not nominate the top three and then a committee picks from one of the top three. They just make it fun for the fans by taking the top three finishers and calling them nominees. Um, first place is already decided. I would vote for Bergeron. I want him to break the record, but my heart's kind of telling me Barkov's going to win it. They both missed some time, so that's not going to be an excuse for either of them in terms of not winning it. Um, it's going to come down to one of them. I'll go with Bergeron just because I thought Bergeron for sure was going to win it last year. I think Barkov will be in that conversation of all-time great two-way centerman who's nominated year after year, just like Bergeron in the coming years. Mm-hmm. So if I had to put stock in a guy for the next 15 years on Selke Trophy, it would be Barkov. Um, sneaky, Jack Hughes was top in takeaways per game, I think, this season, which yeah. is like a heavy stat that goes into the Selkie Trophy. But some of his other underlying metrics weren't good enough to have him in the Selkie Trophy conversation. But I wonder if that's something that could develop. People think of Nico as the top two-way guy on the team. But if Jack Hughes is lead is like the new Datsuk, where he just leads the league in points and steals, then and we start calling him the magic man because of it. I don't see how he doesn't get himself into the mix one day, but we'll it's see. possible. Um, my final answer, Bergeron, but Barkov has a really good chance. The Ted Lindsay Award is voted on by peers, which goes to, which means not writers like literal the NHL okay. players, goes to the most outstanding player in the National Hockey League. We talked about the Hart Trophy, and it was a three-way consensus that Austin Matthews was going to win. I do not think that's going to be the case for the Ted Lindsay Award. The Ted Lindsay award normally goes to the player who was just the best, not most valuable, not most valuable to his team. That to me is Austin Matthews. I think Connor McDavid takes this trophy. I really, really do. Joey thinks Austin Matthews, by the way, he's not on this show, but we did have a conversation about it. And he kind of, he kind of made me second guess myself a little bit because Matthews did have 60. And I think some of his peers will um, think of that and maybe he will win it. This is the one I'm the least confident in my pick. Either that or the Selke, because I'm not very confident in my Selke pick either. It could go either way. I think this one could go either way, but I would vote for McDavid. I think he was the most outstanding player this season because he led the league in scoring. It wasn't really close. Uh, well, I guess it was. Huberto had a really good year. But shout out Yossi for getting the nominee too. 95 points as a defenseman. Ain't nobody arguing with that.
1: No, not at all. I have McDavid as well. Um, to me, I think he's going to win it pretty easily and that's just the fact that he had 123 points it's hard to say he was not outstanding or the most outstanding player um sure he didn't have 60 goals but i think that 44 goals is just fine when you have 79 assists so um i would give it to mcdavid and i would be shocked if he didn't win it to be honest i think yeah matthews gets the heart but mcdavid's gonna get the ted Lindsay.
0: yeah i kind of agree Matthews will win a Ted Lindsay. I think McDavid will win most of them for the next 10 years or so, though. Like, he won it the year Hall won the MVP because Hall was the MVP. He was the most valuable player to his team. But McDavid had, like, 20 more points than Hall. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I think points matter when it comes to this Ted Lindsey award. I also think the eye test means something because the players are voting on the player that they think is the most outstanding. And when you watch Austin Matthews and Connor McDavid, it's clear that they're the most outstanding players in the NHL. I would just give the slight edge to McDavid. I always call Austin Matthews. I always call Austin Matthews the best player in the league. It's it's McDavid. When I say it's Matthews, it's more me just thinking about how he seems to score every single game. Because especially down the stretch, when if you were out that night, like let's say you went to dinner and you weren't watching too much puck that night for whatever reason, you click your little NHL app. You start scrolling through. You click. You click that Leafs game. You click the little arrow button pointing down. And then they got the little little circular face of the guy who scores. Flipping through, and it almost looked like you saw Pablo every single game. It seemed like. Mm-hmm. So, shout out both of them. Absolutely. I definitely think one of them is going to win. They both deserve it. There's no because Austin Matthews was well over 100 points as well. It's not like he was just a pure goal scorer. He wasn't. Right. Um. We'll see what happens. The Masterton Trophy is given to the player who best exemplifies sportsmanship, leadership, and dedication to hockey. Zdeno O'Chara of the New York Islanders, Kevin Hayes of the Philadelphia Flyers, Carey Price of the Montreal Canadiens. I think it's crazy that Price is nominated this year. He didn't play. I, know. I was kind of confused
1: about that Next
0: too. year... If he came back and had this outstanding year and the mental health stuff is behind him and he's all ready to move forward and behind him, I don't mean to sound insensitive. It's never truly, but you're overcoming it. You're, you're dealing with it. You're, you're happy. You're getting through everything. Then you come back and you're dominant. That's when I think you nominate Carrie price for this award. Chara, nice guy. He basically it's for him. It's basically, Hey, I'm really freaking old and I played a full season on a pretty good New York Islanders team. They came in ninth, but they were a pretty good team. They weren't an elite team. They were pretty good, though. Uh, New York Islanders fans had more fun this season than Chicago Blackhawks or New Jersey Devils fans, I'll tell you that much. Um, Pretty good year on a pretty good team at 50 billion years old. I would vote for Kevin Hayes, though. For those who don't know, Kevin Hayes lost his brother Jimmy over the summer. It was a very sad segment on this show because very few players play for the New Jersey Devils and the Boston Bruins, and those guys kind of will always have a special place in the uh, house of Parisi, which is funny. Kevin played for – or Jimmy played for the Hawks, too. Mm -hmm. I wonder how many players played for the New Jersey Devils, Boston Bruins, and Chicago Blackhawks. That's actually a really good question. You had the Florida Panthers in there as well. Those are the four teams he played for. He passed away and Kevin's been dealing with it. It wasn't easy. They were close. The Hayes family is legendary in the city of Boston. We talked about the first family of the NHL. The first family of Boston might be the Hayes family. Mm-hmm. I mean, those guys are legends. Their dad's a legend. Their mom's a legend. Everyone in town knows the Hayes, and I'm, I'm really sad for Kevin. I, I know how much I love my brother. I know how much I love my family, my cousins. My cousins are my brothers and sisters. I know how you would feel if something like that was put on your life and to just play an NHL season through it, it's tough. That's leadership. That's dedication to hockey. I would vote for Kevin Hayes.
1: We have agreed on all three. I also have Kevin Hayes down. um, Just because playing an NHL season with the loss of your brother weighs on you something that, not many people can experience in life. If you don't have a brother or if your brother's still around, like I can't say I, w- I know what that feeling is. A lot of people don't know what that feeling is, especially if you're like close in age with your brother. I mean, you, you go through lifetimes without him. Um, not only though, did that he lose his brother, but let's not forget that he had a blood infection. He fought through three surgeries this year and he still skated in 48 games. I mean, that's a lot for one man to go through and the the Masterton, if you're going to give it to somebody who shows dedication to hockey with a lot of perseverance and all that, it's got to be him. I think he should win hands down. I was confused on why Price was even nominated, to be honest with you. He left
0: this season to check himself and to help for mental health.
1: But I agree with you. Like next season, it would have been different if he came back next season. But regardless, I think Kevin Hayes is the only answer, obviously – any of the nominees are deserving to win, but I give it to Kevin Hayes.
0: Yes, I agree. And we still send our love and prayers to the Hayes family. Um, I, me and Joey both teared up a little bit during that segment during the summer of last year. I'll never forget the look on my face. I was at the gym and Kevin Hayes died Like or Jimmy Hayes died. I'm like, what? Who? He was on the Devils like two years ago. And he scored a goal and oh, I'll never forget he there was that game. The Devils were playing the Avalanche. It was their opening game of the season. And Jimmy scored um, I want to say it was like their second goal of the game. Henrique had a goal. It was just fun times for the Devils. They ended up making the playoffs that season, but he was never able to keep it going quite like Kevin was. I mean, Ke- what did Kevin sign? A seven million dollar ticket with the Philadelphia Flyers. Yeah. Um, they were both Kevin was drafted by the Leafs, but Jimmy was drafted by the Blackhawks, but they both ended up as prospects with the Blackhawks at the same time. Jimmy played a couple games with the Hawks, was traded to Florida. I think he was part of the Chris Versteeg trade when they got him back, if I remember correctly, when Christopher Versteeg had his oh, second right, right, right. round. Chris Versteeg had his second round with the Hawks, and I believe that was a Jimmy Hayes trade. Um, for those who are curious, the Jack Adams Award and the King Clancy Leadership Award will be announced later in the week. And I believe the Mark Messier award as well for leadership basically goes to like a captain in the NHL who's sick and does stuff for their community. Um, those will be nominated throughout the rest of the week, so we will report back on them next week. I believe GM of the year is in the mix as well. Do um, you have any thoughts on the AHL playoffs? I know the Rockford IceHogs played against the Chicago Wolves and the Chicago Wolves prevailed. You got anything on that for me? Um,
1: I'm just, I'm not surprised the wolves won the series, but I am surprised that the ice hogs were swept Um, just, just because the ice hogs, they had a good regular season record against the wolves. I thought it'd be a little more entertaining. Like, I don't think anybody was really expecting a sweep and not only was it a sweep, but it was a sweep in dominant fashion. None of the games were close. The wolves won game one, six to two game two, four to one and game three, four to one. It's like the ice hogs were really never in the game, which is a shame. I do know they had a lead in one of the games. I don't know what game uh, this these highlights are from, but I I do know in game one, Lucas Reichel scored, I believe. Don't quote me on this to take the lead um, in the first game, but then it was just all down their hill from that, and they lost six to two. Um, I was rooting for my fellow Blackhawks affiliates, but obviously the Chicago Wolves prevailed, and it was very surprising, especially since their we what we saw from their first round performance.
0: Yes, I. I couldn't agree more. I mean, the Wolves are the better team. I thought they were going to win, but the Rockford IceHogs did go eight three and one against the like we saw regular season kind of come matchups come into play in the NHL playoffs. I thought the Rockford IceHogs would at least make it interesting. They didn't. They got smoked. The Wolves are a better team. They're one of the three best teams points wise. They were the best team. I think they're right there with the Rochester Americans and the Utica Comets as the best teams in the AHL as a whole, and that's where I'm going to get to. Speaking of the Rochester Americans and the Utica Comets, they got matched up now. They're playing each other right now, and they are going into game five, a winner-take-all game five tomorrow night. The Devils – I mean, Comets were down – And they had to come all the way back just to force game five. Mm -hmm. They were on the brink last game, and they won 4-2. to And they got a goal from Nolan Foote, who was a first-round draft pick of the Tampa Bay Lightning before being traded to the Devils for Blake Coleman. A.J. Greer, who's probably never going to necessarily be a full-time NHLer, but he scored his fifth and sixth goal. And then I'm trying to think of who scored the last goal of the game. I know Nikita Ahotuk fought Fitzgerald who's a Buffalo Sabres prospect, who's the son of Tom Fitzgerald, who's the New Jersey Devils GM. He literally fought his boss's kid.
1: That's hilarious.
0: It's just so funny. Um, I I wrote about the game. I recapped the whole thing on pucksandpitchforks.com. It's on twitter.com. I highly recommend everybody go check it out and see what's going on with the the Utica Comets. They're a fun team. I'm still sticking by. I want the Utica Comets to play against – the Chicago wolves in the Calder cup final. I think that would be so great. I would love to go check them out right, right down the street from where we live. So it seems like we have a question in the chat, Frank, is there something you want to address here?
1: Oh, what games do I play? My recent favorite. Um, been playing a lot of Lego star Wars. That's been the Skywalker saga. That's been a lot of fun. MLB, the show NHL. I recently just downloaded Warzone lately again i had it deleted for a while and they added kong and godzilla in it because they're making a movie kong versus godzilla i think it's a great marketing thing that they're doing so i've been doing a lot of that um but yeah i mean as far as the stuff i play a little bit of everything i also play this game called uh slay the spider slay the spire jordan um which is like a vinny watched me play it when i streamed it's like a deck building um Roguelike card game that's a lot of fun too. So if you um haven't played or don't it is I would check it out uh personally, I think it's a lot of fun. You're working on getting through R2 R 2 rd R2 Red Dead Redemption 2. I'm assuming that's what it is. Yeah, um, that's that's a lot of fun, but yeah, there's a lot of good stuff going on in the gaming world right now. Um, so check it out. I'm on app trigger, write about a little bit about everything. But yeah, that's, that's what I'm playing right now. And I play a little bit of everything. So I, nothing's out of my realm of possibility.
0: It's certainly funny that he asked you about that. Cause I did have written down a video game update with Frankie. We could get right to that. If you had something planned to talk about there at that point.
1: I do. I mean, I could get there right now, or if we want to wait a little bit, I could get back in it.
0: No, go, go, play. go there right now. Cause we're already on the topic. I'm sure what, you know, Talk about what's going on with that. What you were gonna say? If you got anything for App Trigger coming up? I know Skyler has just been creaming his pants over Modern Warfare Two and Warzone Two. I, I'm in the same boat. I can't wait to play those games. It's going to be so fun. You know, I, I hope I get a chance to play with Skyler and his buddies a little bit. But uh, you know, what do you got? Uh, I'll give. Oh, you a happy birthday to-, birthday to Skyler, by happy the way. His birthday, birthday was yesterday, so happy Absolutely. birthday! Absolutely, happy we birthday! Hope you, you had a great much.
1: birthday. Um. I'll give you a little video game update in the video game world for people who don't know. Um, I feel like I'm not saying this like toot my own horn or anything, but because I write for video games, I feel like I sometimes get a little bit more of an inside information on things. Um, I do think sooner rather than later, Vin, you might be pumped to hear this. I think we are, we are this close, this close. It's going to come out soon. GTA six is going to be announced yeah, very soon. I've heard that. Very soon. Very soon. I think, I, I think we are by the definitely before the end of the year we will get something. But that has always been in the works. We're getting, uh, we're getting very close to that. Another interesting thing, Vin. I don't know if anybody else heard big news. EA and FIFA parted ways this week. That was blockbuster news. I know how big soccer is around the world. Um, crazy that there's not going to be an EA soccer game with branded name FIFA. Now there will be some, there will be a EA soccer game called EA Sports FC, um, EA Sports Football Club. That will start, I believe in 2023. So if you're a fan of FIFA or if you're just a fan in soccer, um, then yeah, you have that too. There's a new PlayStation Plus, which is going to rival the Xbox Game Pass. You know, Xbox Game Pass never had a rival from PlayStation, but now, there is something called PlayStation Plus. It's a three-tiered... It's like a new... There's always been PlayStation Plus, but now it's a a three-tiered subscription service. You'd have your lower-end tier, your medium tier, and you got your really expensive uh, highest tier, which is called PlayStation Plus Premium. It's $120 a year, but that's included. You don't have to pay for online. That's all included. You're going to get great games, Um included in that like some high-end games included in that it's just basically playstation's way to rival the xbox game pass i don't think it'll be as successful i think the xbox game pass is the greatest deal in gaming right now so if you're an xbox fan and you don't have it i highly suggest subscribing for it and one of the last things um in the video game world that's really buzzing right now Skyler brought up is mw2 modern warfare 2 we all know there is not going to be a call of duty mainstream video game next year. Modern Warfare 2 that comes out this year will be um for this year and next year. We're used to getting a new Call of Duty every year going to the midnight release, but this year um Modern Warfare 2 will be the sole game for this year and next year. Now they might release other side projects as in Warzone 2 may come out next year, um unless it comes out this year with MW2. Uh, I still don't know. Um, 100% on what's going on or when that's going to be released. But another thing that I dove into a little bit in one of my recent articles is MW2 remastered maps coming back. There are five rumored uh, maps coming back. Some of your favorite, like High Rise. I mean, how fun would it be to play High Rise on a next generation console? Um, I just think there's a lot of uh, pressure for uh, this MW2 game because the original Modern Warfare 2 is a lot is a lot of people's favorites for the best call of duty of all time i think there's a lot of pressure here they don't want to mess up but if we could get some remastered maps like they say we're going to uh, i think it's going to be a lot of fun so i can't wait i think we have a good year of video games ahead we had elden ring come out earlier this year i think 2022 started off with a bang and i think we're going to end with a bang and uh, it's been a good year for gaming and we're officially kind of moving into the next generation now that the xbox one and ps4 are getting kind of old uh, it's time to you know jump into the Xbox Series XS and the PS5 and uh yeah so i mean we got a lot of good gaming going on so if you're not a gamer i highly suggest getting in the gaming news let's not forget vin hogwarts legacy coming out later this year too so a lot of good stuff coming out a lot of good stuff in the gaming world right now so yeah
0: absolutely i can't wait to play it's going to be so fun i still got to get a new gen console besides switch i have switch you're going to um, have to do a vp i'm I know. telling you it's, it's going
1: gonna- to It's these old consoles are gonna be obsolete soon.
0: I know. It's true. Well, thank you, Frank. That was an outstanding update. I'm sure the people in the chat are for sure listening to it really quick. Frank, uh Jordan wants to know if you're PS5 or Xbox main.
1: I am an Xbox uh main, but however, I'm not I would love to have both consoles. I'm not I don't I'm not a hater of one like most people. Like if you're a fan of PlayStation, it's like you almost got to hate Xbox. and If you you're a fan hate of Xbox, one of
0: them as an adult, you're a joke. Yeah,
1: and if you're a fan of Xbox, like you got to hate PlayStation. I'm not like that. Big Xbox guy, I'll always be an Xbox guy. And Xbox will always be my first console. But there will be one day where I will have both. I will enjoy the exclusives that Xbox offer. And I will enjoy the exclusives that PlayStations offer. But yes, I am more of a main Xbox guy
0: uh mr santucci wants to know if you've ever played back for blood
1: i have not but it is right up my alley because i'm a big left 4 dead fan and that is just basically another left 4 dead game um i've not played it but i'm open to playing it i just haven't gotten around to it
0: very good well that's video games with frankie um we're reaching the end portion of our show as you could tell because now we're talking about video games and nerdy shit which i love um is there a random hockey story that you would like to share
1: yeah, and I I wrote down the story because I was hoping you didn't mention it because I, I really wanted to like you know give people a little surprise. But you already mentioned it, and that was the only thing I have done. But I'll kind of dive into it a little bit more because it's hard to make history in the NHL. The NHL is over 100 years old. What are we, 106 years old it is? Yeah. Um, the New York Rangers were the first team in NHL history to win a series by claiming three consecutive comeback wins when facing elimination. And I didn't know if you we were going to say it or not, so I wanted to make sure I had this written down. I mean, in Game 5, they were down 2-0, 1-5-3. Game 6, they were down 2-0, they won 5-3. And in Game 7, they were down 3-2 and won 4-3. Um, and I just think it is so hard to make history in the NHL, given how, how old it is, um, especially something like that and so crazy. But um, that's my story. I'm sorry I didn't have anything different. But uh,
0: No, yeah, that's okay. That's I, got. I mean, I completely understand... That's I was kind of really looking for cool...
1: something. I was kind of looking for something else. Nothing really jumped out at me. Really. Yeah.
0: Well, it's not like it's the regular season where there are just these stories coming up all over the place. I was trying to think of what to say myself. Um. I did find one thing that I think is really cool from the news section of NHL.com when I was looking through and I just found it again right now. Um, The NFL football season's coming up quickly here. And I think the most, improved team in the off season is the Denver Broncos. And I honestly think they're a top five team right now. Like I really, really mean that they were, they kind of remind me of the Rams. They had like this sick roster with a bad quarterback. And now they have this said sick roster still. And they traded for an elite quarterback. And I still think Russell Wilson's top five He was hurt last year. He wasn't the same when he hurt his hand. But if Russell Wilson is healthy, I have no reason to think he can't be top five. And you put him on that Denver Broncos um, uh, roster, and they could go a long way. And he was at the Colorado Avalanche game, waving towels and getting in fans' good graces (laughs) by supporting the Avalanche. And I I always like when the sports that I love cross paths. I love football. I love baseball. I love hockey. When I see a guy like Russell Wilson, who's just so cool, go to a Colorado Avalanche game, I I think it's, uh, it's a great thing. Uh, Jordan says that the Colts and the Chargers are his two favorite off seasons. I think in terms of maybe overall roster construction, I might agree with that take, but I think adding a quarterback to an elite roster is so significant that one player triumphs all the things that the Chargers did. Because I would put the Chargers number one if I'm only – if I'm talking about every position, like multiple moves and stuff like that, but adding a quarterback like Russell Wilson to a roster like Denver's is pretty insane. I kind of wish Von Miller went back there instead of going to the Buffalo Bills because the Buffalo Bills are already OP. They're the one team that I think is like a lock to be better than Denver, but I really like Denver. The problem with Denver, they play an elite division. If they go three and three against the division, I'd be zero percent surprised. And their record could be 11 and six, and three of their losses are against division. Right? Like they could lose one game to each the Chiefs, Raiders, and um, Chargers, and then also beat each of them one time. The rate yeah. the the chefs have a sneaky, hard schedule to start the season. Part of me thinks they're gonna like struggle out of the gate, and people are gonna say. What's wrong with the Chiefs like they did last year and then they'll play a bunch of dog shit teams and dominate their way into the playoffs again and probably play in the AFC championship game again but I actually really like the Chargers Mr. Santucci the uh, game um the over under 10 I would smash the over the, again the only problem I have with it though That's is tough. the division it's the division what team in the division is just a lock to win 10 games? You know, I, I do think, Skyler, this is a year that the Chiefs have to sneak in and they could like sneak in and they like, go to the Super Bowl. They have Patrick Mahomes. I just am not sure that they're going to be able to replace Tyreek Hill's production by committee quite as easy as some Chiefs. I think they'll be a playoff
1: think. team. Absolutely.
0: Don't forget, my monetary well-being is highly invested in the Kansas City Chiefs fan side. It started as a Kansas City Chiefs blogs. When they do well, the network does well. I noticed during the Super Bowl, even... Even my White Sox articles did better when the Chiefs are succeeding. So uh, he wants to know if we picked winners for tonight's games. We will in the next segment of the show. So just stand by for maybe like another five to ten minutes, and we'll get you into breaking bets. If Frankie doesn't have them as part of his, I'll throw out my picks for each game tonight. Oh, I got um, them. I got yeah, for, I, and I'll say whether or not I agree for sure. But really quick, back to football. I I love that division. I cannot wait to watch the AFC West. I mean, I honestly think the best team in the division could be what would 12 wins? What uh, the 17 game schedule throws me off with my math. Is that 12 and five now 12 and five and yeah. the worst, the worst team could be nine and eight. I mean, I really think that if the Raiders go nine and eight and miss the playoffs by one game, cause they lost a week 17 game to the chargers. Let's say – I don't know their schedule off the top of my head, but let's say one of them are playing each other. They both have nine wins. Winner gets to ten wins, goes to the playoffs. Loser stays at nine wins, goes home. That would not even slightly surprise me, and I just think the world of all those teams. The Chargers need their defense to prevail. Khalil Mack needs to look like the pass rusher that he's been in his NFL career. They all have top ten – I don't know about top ten. They all have top 15 quarterbacks. Three of the five have top – three of the four have top ten. I think the world of Mahomes, Herbert, and Russell Wilson think Derek Carr in that 10 to 15 range. My quarterback rankings are coming out next week, for those who don't know, and it stems from a conversation I had while out drinking over the weekend. Um, pretty excited to hear what's going on with that. But um, the rest of the AFC, I think the Browns are going to be really good because they added Deshaun Watson, and I already thought they had an elite roster. Baker effed me out of my bet with you last week last year. And shout out to you for calling it. but the Steelers have a good running back. The Colts choked in week 17. I still think they're a playoff team. I'm not sure the Titans are going to depend on how well Derek Henry plays I think um I heard Colin Coward say that he thinks the Minnesota Vikings are going to win the north and the Packers aren't. And I'm not sure if I agree with that as much. I just I'm know the cousins. He doesn't win big games. No, but he wins regular. He's a he's in that he's worse than Derek Carr, but better than
1: I don't know, half the league. But if you if you look at his numbers against and I'm talking career numbers against teams who are like five hundred or above five hundred, his record is like astronomically bad. Like really, really we're talking like three wins, twenty something losses bad. But all he just mops up against the bottom feeding teams in the NFL.
0: Yeah, but they're playing a second place schedule. They're gonna play they're gonna play better teams. I I think they're gonna play mostly dog meat teams.
1: A second place schedule
0: for the most I mean, what what second place team from last year? It's not like they're playing a first place schedule.
1: Second place, though, is I mean
0: no, but they're gonna play the Saints.
1: Second what place is mean? all
0: above five hundred, right? Not always. I mean, um, I could look up the Viking schedule really quick. I'm actually interested now. Um, they they. I think it's an easier schedule than the Packers. And the Lions and Bears certainly aren't competing. I think the Lions are going to be better than the Bears. That's my hottest take. But um, I don't know. What do you, I mean, do you think I'm crazy? Kinda? Kind
1: of? Kind of. I don't think you're crazy. I think Colin Coward's crazy, but that's all right.
0: They they got the Packers in week one. That could go either way. I mean, they probably lose to the Packers, but it's at home. I, I, I think they'll probably lose to the Eagles. I think highly of the Eagles. Start, I really rat-
1: start rattling off the teams.
0: Packers, Eagles, Lions, Saints, Bears, Dolphins, Cardinals, Commanders, Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Jets, Lions, Colts, Giants, Packers, Bears. That's yeah, an easy schedule. Not to I mean, me. Okay, for me, they start zero and two. We went through, through this with the
1: with the Baker Mayfield last year, and it.
0: I'm not you betting. Had, you on, I'm not betting you. I bet you on the Broncos. I'm not betting you on the Vikings. No, oh, I know, but
1: that. I'm just saying, like we, you went through a schedule last year, and you had the the Browns going like thirteen and four. I know,
0: I I did, and what they go 9 10 and seven nine. You and named
1: a, you named a bunch of teams that were like. The the Cardinals, that's not easy. The Patriots, that's not easy. They're not going to beat the Packers, I don't the think.
0: The Browns failed to meet expectations last year. This is a little bit different. This is more of like a hot take. The Browns being good last year was not a hot take. They proved a lot of people to look dumb because they underperformed. But I, I think they start 0-2, Packers and Eagles. I think the Vikings could beat the Lions, Saints, Bears, Dolphins. There's dolphins four in will a row. Be,
1: dolphins will be tougher, though. Than people think
0: they they probably will be, but Kirk Cousins is probably better than Tua Tonga Vilola, I think. Yeah,
1: maybe. I mean, it's... Uh,
0: they'll lose to the Cardinals if Kyler Murray's healthy. They'll beat the Commanders. They'll get creamed by the Bills. They'll beat the Cowboys. Patriots could go either way. It is uh, is November twenty fourth Thanksgiving. I'll probably, probably, lo- yeah, they'll the probably last, lose. The
1: second to let or the yeah. fourth there. Yeah. New
0: England goes into Minnesota and wins a Thanksgiving night game, no doubt. Um, the Jets, they stink. The Lions stink. The Colts will probably beat them. The Giants, they'll beat. They'll lose to the Packers. They'll cream the Bears. What did I say? Like five or six losses.
1: See, I don't get. I don't. I. I'm not convinced that they're going to just cream the Bears in both games. They might split, and you know, I. I don't know. Same thing with the Lions. I just, there's certain games that I just, I don't see them definitely not winning the division. I'd be shocked.
0: Maybe. Uh, the Packers, though. I mean, I could look at the I Packers. I think Colin
1: Coward's on some glue.
0: Yeah, I'm not even saying that's my pick. Everybody's saying in the chat that my burner account is uh, Don Burr. No, I uh, I'm not even saying that's my pick. I haven't made my picks yet. I'm saying I don't think it's crazy. Like the Vikings are clearly one of the two best teams in the division, but to say to win it, no way. It depends. It depends on how Green Bay. Green Bay goes. Minn. Oh, dude, this schedule is impossible. Minnesota, Chicago. They might start two and zero, but if the Vikings beat them, then that will really set the tone for the whole season. Then they got Tampa Bay, New England, Green Bay. Then the two New York teams, they'll cream, they'll beat Washington. I think the bills will smoke them. They'll beat the lions. They'll probably beat the Cowboys. I think the Cowboys are going to stink. I could see the Titans and Philly beating them and then kill the bears in week. Oh no. week 13, then the Rams, I think could beat them. They'll beat Miami. I think they'll win one of the two Minnesota games. Then they'll beat Detroit. So basically the same type of thing. Like, they Could have pretty similar records. I don't know. Maybe Colin Garrett is if on, glue. If they on glue. I'm not saying that's my take. I'm saying I'm saying I think it's a little more close than people realize. I the think Packers if the Vikings kind of did
1: manage to win the division, they will be the worst division winner out of all the divisions, I think.
0: In football or in the mm-hmm. NFC? In football. It could are they worse than the Colts? Or the Titans? I don't know. I don't like the Colts, but. Or the Titans? I think the Titans are better. I think Titans are better. Maybe. I would rather Kirk Cousins than Tannehill. I I just can't believe.
1: I don't don't, don't think I would.
0: I can't believe everyone's just assuming that the Lions aren't going to be like they're going to be worse than the Bears, though. Like, why do we think the Bears are going to be like just guaranteed to not? be the worst team in the division. I'm, I'm low on the bears right now. They're like rebuilding. I know. And I'm not like mad at anyone about it this time. I'm not mad at polls or Eber for committing in this direction, but the NFC East, uh, NFC East. Yeah, maybe the Eagles will win it. I think that that's my pick in that division as of right now, but We'll see what I'm happens sure we'll get to
1: predictions later on.
0: Yeah. Um, my Vikings thought is not my final thought. I think Colin Coward, he, he said he thinks that that's like his definitive prediction as of right now. But I don't know if I agree with it or not. I think it's closer than people think, though. The Packers suck. Their defense is OK. They have Aaron Rodgers, which is obviously a game breaker. No more Devontae Adams, though.
1: They might have to depend on the run game a little bit more.
0: But. Yes. Uh, Adams is awesome hmm but without um what's his name and tooch
1: comes up with a great point the Bears' schedule looks kind of easy
0: i just think the roster sucks
1: and i don't i don't know i could see the bears turning it around i really could i really could
0: <sighs> jordan
1: uh, says you're on the hash
0: no i'm not <laughs> the bears are bad. <laughs> i i can't don't these guys are going to go into the season with these predictions are these expectations on the Bears, and they're just going to suck. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. The Packers have Rodgers, so that always keeps them from sucking, like literally sucking. When I say they suck, I'm more like in terms of like the other elite teams in the NFC. The Buccaneers are worlds better. Yeah. Um, I think every team in the NFC West except the Seahawks are better than Green Bay. The Cardinals, 49ers, and Rams. Green Bay is probably better than every team in the NFC East, maybe. But like if the Saints put a rabbit out of their hat and we're automatically good, I mean, if we're allowed to just assume the Packers are going to be good, can't we say the same for the Saints? But, I'm just yeah, saying I,
1: if, if, the, if the Vikings finished in third or something, I wouldn't be surprised. Whereas Colin Coward would feel like it's Armageddon if they even finished in second. So
0: maybe Skylar puts up a really good comment. A lot of the Bears play depends on Fields and his development.
1: It does. I it agree. does.
0: But who's he throwing to? His number one receiver is Mooney. And then it's after Mooney, uh, Velas Jones Jr., um, Pringle. Who else are they running out there this year? Cole Komet is a tight end. Monty can have a big year. I think David if, Montgomery could have a really good year from the backfield. But if
1: Justin Fields plays up to – everybody's standards and expectations for him. He is the type of player that could turn things around. The offense. No matter the offense, right. No matter who's out there. I think that he can turn players around him um, better.
0: I don't love their defense. Hicks is gone. Mack is gone. Do we think Robert Quinn is going to break the single season sacks record for the Bears again? Jalen Johnson's pretty good. Eddie Jackson, we'll see how he is with Matt Eberflus running the show, and they got the new coordinator too. Uh, The two kids they picked in the second round in the defensive backfield could be solid rookies. I don't know. I just – I hope I'm wrong. I'm not high on the Bears at all. Jordan says, I respectfully disagree. Jacksonville, New York Jets, Detroit always have killer off seasons, and it's more likely that they always have the same old result. I don't get why the Bears aren't in that trash team conversation. I don't. I don't. They suck. They're a bad organization. They're poorly ran, and they have been for 20-something years. Well, they were good in 2018. Uh, Do we not remember Jacksonville being a touchdown away from the Super Bowl a couple years ago with Blake Bortles? They almost beat Tom. The Jets got to the AFC Championship game with Brett Favre in, what, 2012? I mean, I I don't think the Bears are mediocre. I think they're way worse than that. And, yeah, Mac didn't play in the second half, but – he was really good in the first half last year until he hurt his foot. I think it was his foot. I I just think the Bears are right there with the lower echelon of teams almost year. I mean, what's their record since 2000?
1: Bears? I bet the
0: Lions have a worse record.
1: Oh yeah. Absolutely. Uh,
0: the, the Lions probably have a worse record. There's an 0-16 in there. There's a 1 in 15 in there. But okay, hey, the, don't Bear,
1: the Bears were in the playoffs in 2005. Okay. So I mean that. Helped. Oh yeah,
0: 2018. but 2018.
1: But that helps over the the Lions is what I'm saying.
0: But the Lions had those two years with Megatron and Stafford where they won 11 games.
1: I think the 0 and 16 and 1 and 15 really hurts them.
0: Sure, no, I do. I just think the Bears deserve to be in that dog shit mix with Jacksonville, the Jets. I don't um, think they're as
1: bad as those teams, though. Honestly, I don't.
0: I I just I can't see how. If you have a good explanation for me, I'm open for Cause, changing cause to changing my mind. Those, because, just, like, always the Detroit Lions,
1: the Jaguars, and who is the other team? Uh, the Jets. The, they're like two and 15 teams, two records with two and 15, three and 14. The Bears aren't like that. The Bears may win six, seven games. What did the that
0: Bears do t- the year they drafted Trubisky? They had the third overall pick and traded it up to two. They were bad.
1: They were bad, but they're. I think the reason why they brought those teams up is they're bad like that every year. Like the Bears could win. What didn't the Bears uh, a few years ago like go eight and eight or something? Like to me, that's mediocre. They're not sitting here going two and 14 every year. Yeah, I think bad. the Jacksonville Jaguars, the Detroit Lions, and I keep forgetting the third, the Jets, the Jets. I, they're, those are the teams that are always going like two to three wins a year. Sometimes they get the goose egg.
0: Yeah. Uh, Jordan asked me when the last time the Bears had uh, a top five pick. Twenty seventeen, like four years ago, five years ago, they took Trubisky and fucked that up. What did they take Roquan with? The seventh overall pick is there, Are we really arguing the difference between a seventh overall pick and a fifth overall pick? What about Kevin White? He was eleventh, eleventh overall, or was he even higher than that? I
1: that I don't know.
0: Um. I'm trying to think of where they landed. Never mind. I don't know. I, I'm of the opinion that the Bears suck and they're a poorly ran organization. And until they prove, they're like the Leafs. Until they prove me wrong, I, Jay Cutler got them to the NFC Championship in 2010. They haven't won a playoff game since. And that was, you're right. They don't have any of those years where they're 0 and 15, 0 and 16, 1 and 15, but they have a lot of years with four, five, six wins, maxing out at eight. Um, yeah, Kev, uh, Kevin White, picked seven. They got a seven and a three in the last – in the Matt Nagy, Ryan Pace – or not Matt Nagy, the Ryan Pace era. A seven and a three. And then Roquan Smith had to be in the top ten too. There's no way Roquan Smith wasn't in the top ten. He might have been seven as well, seven or eight. Um. Yeah, I don't know. I'm not high on the Bears as an organization. I, I hope Fields helps them turn it around. And Polls seems very confident. Eberflus feels confident, but I got them coming in last. That I do. Interesting.
1: It's really interesting.
0: Yeah, right now I would go Green Bay, Minnesota, Detroit, Chicago. I would still put Green Bay first, but I can be persuaded otherwise. It depends on how things look in the off season and training camp and all that kind of stuff. So all these top 10 picks, at least, at least sometimes the lions land like good players with some of their top 10 picks that they have. Matthew Stafford was an elite quarterback for how many years? And they took him with the first overall pick the bears draft. Trubisky sucks. He's out of the building four years later. It's just, there's a lot of crap with that team. I get so angry. I get the angriest talking about the Bears, too. Because to me, a lot of it is self-inflicted. So, I don't know. And I'm not a Lion. The Lions are, like, one of my least favorite teams. I can't stand them. They're so annoying. They ruined Megatron's career at the end. But who's the best team for you?
1: In the, the Bears division?
0: No, in general. The Bills. I agree. Yeah, Jordan, anytime, man. Anytime. We're always talking Bears and football, especially during the season. Um, Frank, what are you watching this weekend?
1: Well, a lot of the stuff that I'm watching that's not sports-related, because obviously I'm watching playoffs, sports playoffs, baseball. But a lot of the stuff that's non-sports-related that I'm watching, especially there's a couple things tonight and tomorrow. A lot of the stuff's the spring finale. We're getting to the spring finale. Summer's coming, so a lot of shows are ending. Survivor's not ending. But a lot of the other shows that I've watched, their finales are tonight, tomorrow, so on. And perhaps in a couple weeks, we'll get Kenobi and the premiere of season four on May 27th of Stranger Things, which I'm really excited about.
0: Very good. That's exciting stuff. I can't wait for Kenobi. All the people in the chat who like Star Wars. Um, That complete Muppet, Thomas Gage, put a comment in the chat earlier today, making fun of She-Hulk. Actually, I can't wait for She-Hulk. You dummy. Oh, next week,
1: although, really? I did not. I guess I didn't realize where that was.
0: Oh, Survivor. Very good. Next
1: next week, yes. Yeah, so the finales are all coming, I'm telling you.
0: Yeah, that's outstanding. I'll be watching the White Sox. Big game tonight against the Royals. That complete moron, Tony Larusa, batting Andrew Vaughn, ninth every game. Yeah, let's bet your second-best hitter, ninth every game. Stupid. Stupid, stupid, stupid. And then, of course, the NHL playoffs, NBA playoffs outstanding stuff. Can't wait for football too. uh, My guy, Mark Carmen, friend of the program, fan-sided co-worker, running out some quotes from um, Bears mini camp. He was there yesterday posting some videos, outstanding stuff. Can't wait. It's going to be so fun. Love that stuff. Um, We're going to head over now because we're running a little long, to say the least, um, to everybody's favorite podcast segment of the week. Breaking bets. Where's my money, bitch? Where's my money, bitch? Frank, help me get some money, pal. Breaking bets.
1: If anybody here took the picks last week, we won a perfect three for three. (laughs) And we're going to look to do so again this week. Um, so I'll start you off with hockey, since this is uh, mainly a hockey podcast. There's two games on the slate today. New York Rangers go to North Carolina to play the Hurricanes. And the Edmonton Oilers will be playing the Calgary Flames in the Battle of Alberta. Honestly, keeping it simple, I like both home teams. If you parlay both home teams, that's what I'm. that's what I would suggest to do. You do that, it's plus 160. I think both teams are going to win with ease, which is why I love to parlay them here and take the plus 160. You take both separately. They're both in the minus 160 range, which, you know, it could be a little pricey. It's a little pricey for some people. So I would take both. Obviously, nothing's a guarantee, but that's what I like. Uh, Next, the Dallas Mavericks are playing the Golden State Warriors. The Dallas Mavericks were down 2-0. To the Phoenix Suns, the best team in the NBA, came back and won in a game seven. It was absolutely insane. Not only did they win in game seven, they were up, I think, like fifty points in game seven. It was an absolute shellacking. Warrior or the Mavericks have impressed me. They really have um, to do that to the the Phoenix Suns. I love Luka Doncic. Um, Warriors are plus five and a half tonight. I love. I think that's a really good prop. Plus five and a half on the Mavericks. Don't know how this series is going to go. The Maverick or the Warriors might come out swinging, might dominate the Mavericks. But what I saw last round against the Phoenix Suns, I think you just being the first game and nobody knows how the season or the series is going to go, I think you got to take the five and a half minus 110. I think that's the safest thing to do just because it's the start of the conference finals. Uh, I would highly suggest that five and a half is a good mix. Getting a couple baskets there, um, I think that would be good. Then you got to throw it over to baseball, right? One from each. We're doing the. Uh, there's not many more opportunities. I'll be able to choose one, one bet from each sport. Um, so, the St. Louis Cardinals are going to New York to play the Mets, and you got Hicks against Scherzer, two pitchers who've been great, and they're going to be great enough to at least get you through the first five innings. I like the under three and a half for the first five innings at minus one twenty. Um, I'd be kind of shocked if there were four runs in the first five innings, given the way these pitchers have been pitching. Um, Mets got a good offense. They're they're a different team this year. I think Hicks will hold down the fort for the first half of the game, like the under three and a half at minus 120 for the first five.
0: There you go. That's breaking bets with Frankie Mueller. I think the Rangers are going to win tonight.
1: The only reason why I think the Hurricanes are going to win Hurricanes look so good at home. Almost, they they look like nobody could touch them at home. I think the Bruins are better than the Rangers, by far. And the Bruins couldn't even take a game in North Carolina, which makes me think I don't think the Rangers are going to be able to take a game in North Carolina, which leads me to believe why I think the Carolina Hurricanes are going to win this series fairly easy.
0: Just so you know, I think Carolina's better. I'm going to write a tweet saying that there's no way the Rangers lose this series. Hopefully doing some reverse psychology stuff. That's what I'm going for here. Um, Mr. Santucci wants to know if you missed the NHL picks for tonight. Yes, Frankie picked the Calgary Flames to defeat the Edmonton Oilers, and he picked the Carolina Hurricanes to defeat the New York Rangers. And I yeah. like them
1: together because if you don't they're a little pricey by themselves, but together it's plus one sixty. And I think that's a great a great value right there.
0: Yeah, that actually is nice. And then you had the baseball pick under five under three runs three or three and a half.
1: Three and a half. Three and a half for the first under five three and and a half. half
0: for the first five innings in a game between Hicks and Scherzer in New York, with yep. two really good National League teams playing against one another. So um and then of and then- course you pick the Mavs
1: plus five and a half i think that's a lot of points to give up in a series but we don't know which direction it's going to go so i would just take the points and be safe
0: would you like to apologize to the celtics
1: for proving like being better than i thought yeah yeah they've definitely impressed me i think their road ends here in miami <laughs> they lost by 11 last night
0: he's trying his ram strategy that never worked <laughs> Um, Frankie wrote the Rams losing every game up until they finally won the Super Bowl. uh, If the Celtics win the NBA title, you have to buy a Celtics hat.
1: I wouldn't be against it. I have nothing against the Celtics. No, I didn't say you
0: did. It was more like just straight up basketball conversation.
1: Yeah, it's just, you know, I just, I'm surprised they got past the Bucs.
0: Especially since
1: the Bucs were up 3-2. to (laughs) Yeah. Um, it's hard to win back-to-back games in the NBA against a team as elite as the Bucs. A lot of people are call- calling the Bucs frauds. I don't think the Bucs are frauds. Oh, they're
0: they're um, defending champions. They're I know. Really and a lot of people didn't about.
1: think they were worthy of winning it last year, which is just crazy. But That's I, true. I, I'm just I'm very surprised. I, I, the Celtics, I don't, I think they're overplaying their game personally. I don't think they're as good as they're playing. Um, We'll see. You know, I also didn't really expect the Heat to be here either. Uh, it's kind of a change of pace compared to last year and years previous, when we're always it's always the same teams in the NBA make and win an NBA championships. But now we got either the Heat or the Celtics are going to go to the NBA uh, finals. And without LeBron on the the Heat, it's a it's a change of pace to see and the who, Heat there.
0: And who are the other teams in the East left? Or that's The, East, it?
1: the Celtics and it's
0: the Celtics and the Heat, and then the Mavs and the, and the Warriors. Warriors.
1: I would love to see them the Mavericks win it all. Oh, please. I think that'd be so sick.
0: The funny thing is, in all my years That's who I'm rooting for. Somewhat following basketball. It's my fourth sport, but I, I know who wins the championship every year. And I watch some of the playoffs. We've seen all four of these teams win in our life. But not in a long time. Except for Golden State. Yeah. But
1: I don't want to see them win again. It's too predictable.
0: Yeah, but also, like, is it? Didn't they come in, like, third in the draft lottery last year? Well, last year, they were, or one of the years, was it last year? They were really bad. Yeah.
1: But they didn't have Curry playing. They didn't have Clay Thompson playing. Yeah. So what do you expect? I mean, that just goes to show you. I mean, Jordan Poole's good. He's up and coming, and he's good. Just goes to show you, though, like, the future of the Warriors may be not that good when they lose uh, Curry and Thompson. But Jordan Poole, he's been, he's you know, held his weight around. So, I mean, they could have a good future as well. But we'll see.
0: Do you think how good the Warriors are this year and how mediocre to bad the Brooklyn Nets were this year kind of tarnishes Kevin Durant's legacy? Because they went, they had a title before he got there. They won the NBA championship. I want to say it was 2015. And then in 2016, they went 73 and 10 or 73 and nine and lost the NBA final to LeBron James is he or Cavaliers. Mm-hmm. And then the following year, that's when Durant joined them and they won what two straight, three straight. Yeah. But they yeah. were there without him. But the consensus was Durant was their best player, even over Curry. Mm-hmm. And he was winning the final MVP and all that stuff. But then he leaves. They're still sick, goes to Brooklyn. They're not as sick. Maybe. Maybe Durant was the best player in a Ferrari. So that's our show. It was a really fun. Oh, yeah. It was a really fun uh, time talking all these sports. We went kind of long. So I-, I enjoyed it. Did you?
1: Oh, yeah. It was a lot of fun. Talked about a lot of different stuff. I hope we gave the viewers uh, a good time.
0: Yeah. It seemed like they were enjoying it, especially at the end. We hope everybody enjoyed. Make sure you tune into all of the Barroom Network shows that have. You know, just been so amazing over the last couple of weeks, talking basketball, baseball, football, uh, nerdy movies and stuff. Mike North on Crosstown Crosstalk Advantage. I combine the two show names. Mike North on Crosstown Crosstalk Tomorrow, where we will discuss all sorts of things. I'm very excited to meet him and talk to him. So, Frank, thank you very much, everybody. Make sure you're following at the King Bean on Twitter. I'm at Vinnie Parisi on Twitter. And as always, thank you for listening.
1: Are ready? Go. Oh. <laughs> <Yay>. <laughs> <laughs>